All right, howdy. Welcome back to Windley Mania, the greatest podcast you've never heard of, brought to you by the greatest band that you have never heard of, that you have never heard of. Hmm. That's, you know, it's a really long tagline, but it sure does work when it does work. So, but anyways, my name is the best in the world, Andrew Reidner. Um, no man's best friend this week. He's gone. He's, uh, he's out on the tour, um, with the turn of forte. And to be honest, to be perfectly honest, the embodiment of Devin's absence. I'll give one breath. I'll give you one breath. This is what it's like without Devin. <sighs> it's just like, oh, oh man. It's 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 it. No, I miss the guy, and I hope he's having fun out there. He doesn't want to talk to me, bro. So, anyways, but I do have a guest. I'm not alone in uh, my uh, not mine, but the Windley storage unit. Of course, I'm not alone. I am with the great, legendary local photographer and other things i assume but we're to stick with photography because that's what you're really good at he's got a great work ethic i love watching him get up there in the faces of people and doing his job daniel mcdonald hey everybody i am a mystery even to andrew except for the photography part yeah well how are you <laughs> i'm doing great you know friday night friday friday, chilling, night, this- friday night chilling in the windley windley storage locker uh Drinking substances. The banquet. The banquet. Hey, Coors banquet. We're, we're feeling open. fancy tonight. I had a Red Bull. Red Bull uh, banquet. <laughs> they have the new Red Bull banquets out. <laughs> and it's, it's pretty Not good. To when I'm it tastes just either. like Red Bull, but it's a little something extra, you know. Yeah, yeah, right, a little so kick. Is, brewed with a hundred percent Rocky Mountain water. Rocky Mountain way. All right. So wait, this is Rockies, right? Yeah, it is Rockies. It's Golden Colorado. See, I I've been calling them Rockies. And Devin started it, but I've been, we've been calling them Rockies for so long. I forget that it's Coors Light. I just yeah. like I see the can. I'm like, oh, there's <laughs> oh, the Rockies. Rockies. I love this. is uh, This is like Devin started that trend on me too. Yeah. I think it was like outside of the Next Level show, like seven months ago. This is very refreshing. Delicious. This is very refreshing. Yeah. It's a little fancier, you know. I figured just because, you know, Devin's not here. Devin's not here. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> that's, that's not what this episode is about, folks. Yeah. This is, uh, you know, I uh, we've been we've been back with the Windley Mania for a couple months now. And we've we've been really, really driving really hard. We've been talking to a lot of awesome people about their, uh, their creative uh, intentions. And what they've been doing, and it's been a lot of fun. And um, but if you're a longtime listener, you know that the show we just kind of do whatever the fuck we want. Usually, dude, fuck rules, man. We don't need uh, rules. Yeah. We don't need rules. Yeah, burn down the house. Yeah, the, the roof is on fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, no rules. Steal from Walmart. Overthrow sure. capitalism. Yeah, yeah. Um. So you know. There's really no purpose to the show, although I like to think that the purpose is to talk about, you know, other people's music, and uh, it's a convoluted thought process. But, you know, we've done other things, like we've talked about uh, the Hulk Hogan movies. We've talked about uh, some live-action... Yogi the Bear. Yogi the Bear and Garfield and... and, um, and uh, Daniel, last time you were on here, you made me watch uh, a horrible piece of shit. Terrible. Um, I recommend you all watch Tiptoes. Tiptoes and listen to the episode. It's pretty fun. But uh, the movie's not. 
So, it's an incredible but i feel like you gotta watch the movie if you're gonna listen to the episode i feel right? like you would i think everybody out there would enjoy at least one watch of tiptoes just because it's great to put your own body and mind to the limits mm-hmm. and i was to the limits True. so i don't know if i i might have timed and a half it when, Maybe because on the playback, I know I did that for Fat Albert. Fat Albert, it got to a point where I was like, "Jesus, fuck, Christ. come on!" But um, so I, I didn't have anything to do this week on the Windley Mania. It's our big special 80th episode. After, I mean, we've been doing this. If you were to go back to where the show started and if we were consistent with it, we would have been well past 80. But uh, you know, breaks. Yeah, and you stuff. can take a break. You yeah. gotta, you gotta take, take care break. of yourself. You know, quality over quantity. If anything, and this has been pure quality. Yeah, um, all eighty episodes. Well, we're not. We we got to find out if this one's going to be getting good or not. So I kind of just wanted to fuck around and talk about movies. Hell yeah, I fucking love movies. Dude. So uh, that was my thought process. I was like, what can I talk about on Windley Mania this week? Because I don't got no guest right now. Devin's away. Uh, uh, what's I want to talk about something I like. And I like movies, so let's just talk about movies, right? But I kind of wanted to get a little more specific than that. Um, so I reached out to Daniel, who, I'm sorry to put a label on you, but you're kind of like my guy in my brain that's also on the same wavelength as far as it comes to the movies. Like, yeah. all my friends like movies, but they, like, I feel like we're kind of like in the, we, we appreciate we the appreciate history. films. And the, Absolutely. We're film Honest, I would. It feels weird calling myself that. Yeah, but I think that it's, it'll be very funny to see my absolute like despairing lack of knowledge in certain topics because I've gotten kind of we- not weird about movies, but like I hyper focus on things that I like, and then I kind of go through all of that, and it has left me with somewhat of a lack of general knowledge. But this will be interesting to do mm-hmm. for sure. So. I kind of brought up a challenge to do for ourselves, um, and there's a lot to contextualize here, in a sense, just because of like I want to explain what the challenge is, and I want to explain like the thought process. I, yeah, I guess there's like a there was like a th- thought process. It, I don't know. It's dumb. What we're going to be doing though <laughs> is we're going through. <laughs> Every decade, not every decade, but yeah. since the 1900s. Yes. And Daniel and I will be picking one movie from one decade uh, based on our own personal uh, criteria. So, for example, I was kind of going off of some, obviously it's a movie I like, uh, a movie that I feel represents the decade, um, you know, something I find uh, compelling and, and, and uh, uh important on a historic level and a technological level um you know it's just my pick of the decade i don't know what what, how did you uh come up with uh yours so for a couple of the first decades there were some slim pickings obviously um i had actually i was surprised when i went back and looked at it but i had seen something from every decade but when i was in the 1900s and 1910s there was almost there's like only two movies per decade that I'd actually seen, and most of that was educational purposes from school. Mm. Um, but the later I got, I tried to pick stuff that I felt represented um, 
what I personally liked about movies within the decade. I try to take into account some of the more historical factors too, and like what I think the movie might have gifted to cinema at large. But a lot of it was more about like expressing my own personal taste in that decade with my pick, um, which was hard because there was a lot of great movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we will probably kind of find some maybe similarities not similar similarities in the same picks but i think we might find some common ground yeah um i guess two other things is first of all you and i we have not seen every single movie in existence that's true but i feel like we've seen a lot uh, yes over the past hundred plus years um not that and that's, that's the other thing uh how old are you I'm 28. I'm 25. So obviously we did not experience these decades uh, at all. No. (laughs) Or the decades we were born in, the 90s, we did not really experience that at all. Um, So as far as like analyzing a decade, I guess, is just sort of like going off of everything we've seen in that decade and what we know historically it's kind of like you know uh i feel like it's interesting in a sense because like there's a hundred years that obviously we have no like firsthand experience with but it's like what about these guys a hundred years later how do they react to it Mm -hmm. i guess if and maybe that's not interesting to some people but i think it's kind of like a like think about like what people from a hundred years from now from right now would like they got on a podcast and they were like what you know, what's your favorite movie or album or whatever? Probably Shrek. Yeah. Still. It was like, what would they think? Number one. So, I don't know. Um, but True. I feel like we're we're both learned enough. I sure hope I am. So, uh, we've been, um, you know, it's not really the hardest task to sit down and watch a movie. So, that's why we like it so much. Is, you know? Oh, yeah. If it's Tiptoes, <laughs> I'm squirming. <laughs> but uh, some of these other Physical ones. Physical pain. So... And Nobody could see this on the original podcast, but when Andrew came in after seeing that movie, he was actually in a wheelchair. <laughs> yeah, I was. <laughs> I just got out of the hospital. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's a. This is a whole thing. I kind of wanted to put myself into, and um, uh, I wanted to ask Daniel because I know he he cares about this shit. Just I as like much making as I lists do. too. So, so you yeah, got, lists are fun. You got yeah. like two of my favorite things: making lists and movies. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, don't know I, what that says about me. I mean, that's what you like. You I know, I true. like making lists. I made a list. There's an episode for this podcast that we have not recorded. It was an idea of Garrett's, and I have a list, and I've had this list made since January. <laughs> so, Garrett, if you want to do that one podcast idea that you had. I don't even know if he's listening, but I'd like to do it. It's it's a it's a similar thing to this, but a different medium. Yeah, um, I kind of want to do this with albums at one point, but it's kind of hard to. That is kind of hard to do with albums. Yeah, yeah. It's really hard. Like it's I, hard. It's harder to do albums than it is movies. I feel like. I feel like albums are more subjective than movies. Way more. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So. I don't know. My list. Ma- I mean, it's not a movie that I picked for this, but. Uh, um. John Cusack, he's in the record store. High Fidelity. High Fidelity. I love that movie almost solely because they constantly do lists throughout the movie. Sure. But I guess um, here we go. We're going to get into it, I guess. Uh, 
it's it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a long road. We're going through yeah. 100 plus years. So again, 1900s. We'll start there. When we get to the 2020s, I guess that's we're, that's just our prospective pick of yeah. like so far what we think. But it, I guess it will truly end in the 2010s. Um, and we're gonna contextualize all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And I'm sure there will be some, you know, honorable mentions. So, um, yeah, I'm going to definitely, I'm, I'll be going to lift, listen off shit and yeah. talking about a whole bunch of shit before We're making looking my, at our list. I have a, yeah. Andrew can see mine is a lot longer. I than can't just, read anything on it, but I, yeah. So, uh, movies, man, they've been around mm-hmm. for a while. Yeah. In fact, uh, the whole concept of a motion picture has been around since, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago. There's, yeah. You know about the caves in France? I actually do. So, I don't remember their names, but I saw the, um, there was a, uh, what was his name? Uh, there's a photography um, YouTuber that I watched, but he went out there and did some stuff out there, and I'm trying to remember. But anyways, go ahead. You can explain it better. In better uh, detail I don't that. remember the names either, but essentially there's these caves in France where there's paintings on the wall and there's like it'd be like one frame at a time and they would turn the fire to light up uh you know a frame of a pic of a picture and it would tell a story and the flickering of the flyer kind of resembled uh you know film itself moving past the projector it's fucking so cool so and then it's kind of weird to talk about like film history because a lot of it was happening all over the world all at the same time. It was very fractured. Yeah, that too. But um, I guess uh, like the 18... We could have put the 1890s on this, but I decided to be kind. Yeah, that so, was very kind of you because I definitely <laughs> have not seen anything from so, the 1890s. So I've seen a few things from the 1890s and this is like... The two big things you need to think about is Thomas Edison and William Dixon. They were over here in America and Edison had his patents, and of course, uh, there's the famous uh, movie Fred Ott Sneeze, mm-hmm. one of the uh, assistants at the his uh, lab, I guess it was a laboratory. It's him uh, taking some t- tobacco through the nose and sneezing. It's very enthralling. Then you had the Lumiere brothers over in France who developed a lot of stuff, and I don't know. This was like a lot of it was like. Uh, people being obsessed with like actual projections, at least over in Europe. Yeah. And then, you know, as photography like developed and mm-hmm. people figuring out what to do, you know, you got movies essentially. And uh, a lot of the stuff in the 1890s was uh, the Lumiere brothers called it actualities, which is basically like it's kind of interesting because that's what Vine was in a sense, like just things happening in yeah, real life. In real life. So, and Edison would do the same thing where he would send, you know, he would make these cameras, what was it, the kinetoscope, and he would send people all over the world to film real things happening. And it was more, it was just a novelty. So you got like the Topsy, you see yeah. the Topsy film, the elephant getting executed. Yes. So that was an Edison thing. Um, I can't believe he killed that elephant. Yeah. <laughs> there was Personally. The, the train arriving in the station. Yeah. Um, and not only were there dollar signs as far as like the technology being produced, but you got to think like a lot of these business people are kind of similar with like a common carny you would find at a carnival mm-hmm. in the sense that like 
how can we work our mark into getting more money? And that's sort of where the narrative comes in, right? Like, there's not, there's only so many, like, actualities you could fill. Yes. Like, there's only, I mean. There's only so much out there, especially at that time, that you could realistically get. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the unit does that sometimes. It's alive. Oh, my God. It goes to the machine. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But, um, you know, you got to, like, start making shit up in a sense, Mm -hmm. right? You know, you can't just, like, there's the novelty of people, like, seeing things move like this, a picture moving for the first time. Which is where you get all those stories and, you know, the talk about people running out of the theater sorry the lights just came on and blinded me for a second you could hear it in my voice um but you know all the people who would run out of the theater because they thought trains were actually coming sure we'll mention that yeah train yeah yeah Yeah. trains coming uh uh uh, train dude fucking uh (laughs) you would come out of the screen yeah yeah yeah. people would be terrified yeah uh you know a gun being pointed at you all sorts of shit um, one of the first narratives was a, a French movie. I believe it was French. It was the the, spr- the sprinkler becomes sprinkled or something, or the waterer becomes watered. Hmm. And it's like one of the first gags in film history where a guy's watering his plants and it stops and he looks at the nozzle. And there's a trickster back there messing with the with the hose. With the hose, and, and then he splashes yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So. But um, anyways... We kind of get to uh, the 1900s. The 1900s um, through that. So, would you like to just say what your pick is first, or do you want? I want to go with your pick just in case we have the same pick, okay. and then I can adapt because I feel like I, I, I want to. Once be, we get later on in the list, I have multiple. That yeah, we, yeah. So we can switch it up. I want to be able to adapt. I'll be able to adapt, though. I'll, I'll let you yeah. stick with your pick in case so, we have the same pick. This, I, I had to do some research, and I did watch some stuff, because they do have a lot of the stuff from the 1900s online, like 1900 to 1910. Yeah. Um, because it's all, you know, on the public domain now. And a lot of it's actually pretty short. Mm-hmm. Um, so I picked uh, something that I actually had seen before. I think I saw this for, like, a film literacy class in college. I took my freshman year, just because I had to fill out credit hours. And it's called The uh, the Kingdom of the Fairies by George... Uh, Meliers? May Meliers. George Meliers, yeah. Yes. Who was apparently, like, hot shit. Oh, yes, he was. Back at the time. Well, I remember he, that. He was the guy who found the cut. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't cross-cutting, which we'll get to, but he it was uh the cut so he you know had his strip of film and then when he wanted to change scenery he would cut it cut it and add you know add the other strip and you're in a different place Mm -hmm. so he was that guy tell me about was this the kingdom of the fairies kingdom of the fairies and this is something that you notice about a lot of the films and i'll speak to this just from my own kind of like research is a lot of stuff back then when they were making kind of like a picture show type deal. A lot of it was actually plays that they reenacted. Yeah, vaudeville too over in the stage. Vaudeville. So a couple of the other things I looked at was a Bluebeard rendition. Uh-huh. Uh, that's a classic story of the man who has a wife and tells her not to go in the room. She goes in the room. But Kingdom of the Fairies, um, the reason I picked it in particular is because of something I was obsessed with, especially in one of my later picks, is um, all the like painted and built sets. Oh, that they yeah, had yeah. back in the days. I'm fucking obsessed with that shit. Yeah. And it has some absolutely beautiful scenes. Um, obviously, it's back in the day, so it's all black and white. 
but um, they have a couple of ones, one in the ocean, one uh, of the night sky outside of a castle, and it's all meticulously like hand-painted and all this stuff, and I find it absolutely just enthralling. I love that shit so much. So what what happens how what happens in the kingdom of the fairies is I've, I haven't it's seen it's kind that. of a classic hero's journey. Um, okay, a woman gets taken by fairies and devils. Man, it seems similar to a, another yeah one that I was going to be my pick, but I changed it. But yeah. go, go on. But it's very it's you know yeah. uh, princess gets taken by fairies and devils, um, yeah. and her perspective hero bright or uh, groom to be. Uh, gets a magic sword, gets the call to adventure to go off and save her. Goes off, saves her, marries her. <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty. It's pretty simple. Yeah. Like a lot of the stuff at this time period, I feel like is pretty simple. Yeah. Well, the thing the is, narrative structure. The thing is, you talk about like the sets and the and the stuff. Yeah. So you got to think all this shit was new. There was no cinematic language. Yeah. No, there wasn't. There wasn't like you know moving the camera to uh you know try to yeah push out an emotion from your audience or whatever or convey anything really it was just like so Melier's actually his idea was to get the screen as busy as possible mm-hmm. there's a lot of people you notice that there's yeah. a lot of actors a lot of movement going on and it very feels it very much feels like you're kind of just watching a play because a lot of the sets are still designed yeah. like plays yeah at that time um, it's you know pretty much facing front. You have the stage in the background. You have the actors in the midground, and then you kind of just see the stage ground essentially. Yeah. So it's almost kind of like watching a shortened play with n- almost no sound except yeah. for the music that they've added in. Mm. Did you did you watch like a colorized version? I've seen uh, a lot no, of I did watch a black and white version. Okay, there's been a lot of those like Melies like colorized. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, a couple. Kind of looks uh, shitty. Yeah, <laughs> they do that. They've done that for a lot of movies. Like from the 1900s to 1930s and stuff. Yeah. Um, but I kind of feel like watching the original yeah. cast. Because they're not, I mean, they're black and white, but some of them are shot in sepia too, which is like a color cast you could do yeah. with some of the film back in the day, but that's a whole other. Yeah. So I considered a Georges Méliès. Um, it was called The Witch, and it's a very mm. similar uh, story where it's a witch kidnaps a girl, yeah. and this guy who's kind of like a knight has to like. That's essentially what. The, the thing that's interesting about it not only is the, the sets and the costumes, some really crazy looking like creatures, they which go crazy, which is like funny to think of like uh, some French guy with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth, just like dressed up yeah. like some nasty little demon. He's like, when do we get, to, when do we get move on? We've done the take so many this times. This is art. I, I, <laughs> I this is a bomb. It's yeah. ridiculous. Um, but that one, the witch reminds me of like, uh, the super Mario just because it's almost like a side scroller. And it's kind of mm-hmm. interesting how he like, you know, again, not much cinematic language, but he does create a space where you start in one place and, the guy is moving left to right to the end and there's all this shit in the middle. It, it sort of creates like a, like a, like a, a space you can kind of imagine in your head. But, um, I guess other mentions, uh, 1902, also George Melier's a trip to the moon. Yes. That was is, another um, one I considered. I hadn't seen that one before looking into it, but I, I decided to go with the one that I'd actually seen before just cause. Yeah. I, I watched, um, I've seen that with, like the original with no like black and white and whatever piano i don't even know if it was like accurate to what they would play but um 
there is that one and then there was another one they did like a restoration like 10 years ago where they colorized it and they had air play a soundtrack air air like moon safari like moon like safari the, like vag the vagabond yeah air, air yeah <laughs> it was kind of <laughs> interesting um uh, and then uh, 1903, Edward uh, Edwin S. Porter, uh, the the Great Train Robbery, which had that was, that was one I knew of, but yeah. I think I'd only like I knew of it because it's so kind of profligate. Yeah, it's the considered the people like consider it the first narrative, but it's not. You know, um, it's because uh, it's American. But as far as like the Western, yeah, probably. Probably. Uh, there's, there's Maybe the first, f- like, American narrative, because George Melies was French, obviously. Yeah, but, like, I guess, but I, everywhere I've seen, like, the great train robbery, like, articles or discussion, it's like, really? this is the first, yeah, I don't know, like, but it's like... I mean, I feel like the other films we've all named have all also have had narratives. I mean, yeah. they're simple, but they're not, like... I mean, it's... No, again, I, well, I disagree that it's the first narrative. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, I'm just but, saying, like, in regards to the articles... Yeah, um, so there's that, and there's the famous shot with him pointing his gun at the yeah. audience and uh, firing off a. Reminds me of a, a picture round. that Devin sent me once. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but anyways, my pick for the 1900s. All right. Uh, again, there's only so much. I mean, you know, people were uh, you know making a lot of shit, but none of it's. You know, it's kind of hard to. A lot of it didn't survive. Pick. Yeah, uh, my pick uh, though is called "C'est Papa qui." Okay, so it's French, but it's translated to uh, "It's the Dad Who Took the Purge." <laughs> um, it's a Max Linder picture. Hmm. Uh, Max Linder was uh, a French actor, and Max Linder was his like stage name. Yeah, he was a complete inspiration for like Charlie Chaplin. He had like the same sort of like penguiny walk. He was, he did a, he got in a lot of hijinks, kind of like the tramp. Um, And this was a a Pathé movie. So Pathé was like a super earlier uh, distributor in France. And, um, you know, Max Linder's like considered like one of the first like movie stars and sort of one of the first examples where you see like, a movie making machine in a sense, just because people would go to see Max Linder because it's got his name on it. And eventually he got like creative control to do whatever he wanted. And he, he's made, he made like 500 movies and a lot of them are lost. Uh, this one, the dad, 500 is a lot. Yeah. He, 500 well, is a lot of movies. Well, you gotta think, I mean, this one in particular, yeah. the dad, it was the dad who took the purge, uh, is only like three minutes. Um, which, I mean, a lot of them are short, but still, you got to factor in like. <laughs> well, he would do it. He would like film one a day, like it was like yeah. Um, he 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 had a tragic end. He had it was just like. I think there are some like uh, explanations, I guess, like other historians know, but he ended up taking his own life at one point but um i kind of picked a really silly one to honor him by this was this is early very early work i think he started in 1905 this was 1906 um the dad who took the purge and it's essentially uh max linder in this picture uh his son is sick and a doctor comes and makes him like a medicine and the dad accidentally takes the medicine 
So Max, he ends up having diarrhea in a bunch of random places. Like he goes to a park and he, 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 he like his stomach starts rumbling and he's like, he hides in the bushes. And then these, this couple comes and sits down and he's shitting. So they're like, Oh, something smells bad. And then they run away. I'm glad um, humanity has not moved past their yeah. absolute childish yeah. fascination I, with poop jokes. I had to do, I had to pick something like this because none of the I don't think any of my other picks kind of deal with this subject matter, but it's something close to my heart is diarrhea. Diarrhea. So in the 1900s, I'm I'm picking a diarrhea movie, and um, <laughs> you can go watch you can go watch uh, the easiest access I found to it is actually incomplete, hmm. but you don't miss much. You miss like 30 seconds, but you see all the shitting. Yeah. I think you can see the kingdom of the fairies on YouTube. Like, okay. I'm pretty sure you can like a lot of that, like open, not open source, but, uh, you know, public domain stuff is on YouTube in some form, whether it's like been colorized or not. It might be on internet archive too. True. Yeah. They have a lot of shit. Um, if you want it, you can find it. Just put in effort. Yeah. Fucking Google it. Yeah. Google it. Bing it. So let's move on to the 1910s. Hey. Yeah. So now we're getting into sort of the origins of Hollywood. Um, Not only a lot of immigrants, uh, you know, moving westward and, um, uh, you know, setting up shop, but a lot of people going out there to escape Thomas Edison's patents and uh, that bastard. And um, of course, World War I kind of ravaged Europe. So. It really did leave America. We were chilling, dude. Yeah. It <laughs> it, it left America, like, you know, yeah. a, enough room to become, like, the leading yeah. producer of movies. And what better name to start off with? So, uh, what's your what's your pick for the Mine 1910s? is, uh, well, I had actually seen a couple of films by this person, but I picked one because I was hanging out with my dog when I uh, was doing ah. this list. I picked A Dog's Life by Charlie Chaplin. Nice. Which is... You know, I, I wanted to pick a Charlie Chaplin film because some of the other, some other stuff that I wasn't able to fit on my list down on this stuff were things that I watched very young as a kid with my aunt, uh, renting stuff from Blockbuster, um, which were a lot of the Marx Brothers movies and a lot of stuff with the Three Stooges. Mm-hmm. And I feel like even though those were kind of either more shows or a little more slapstick, Charlie Chaplin, I kind of feel like is the originator of that or like the kind of like father figure of that style of yeah he was well he's one of the big guys yeah, he's so. the big guys back in the day <laughs> right. like him and uh buster keaton buster keaton fatty arbuckle fatty arbuckle exactly but charlie chaplin's the one that most people know yeah i feel like well I mean, he was like considered the most recognizable guy in the yeah. world during his time so yeah. till hitler um yeah <laughs> <laughs> He, he had something to say about that. Maybe, yeah. we'll, maybe we'll get to that movie. Maybe, we'll get maybe to, that'll be one of I, our picks. Mm, nah, but, uh, okay. <laughs> but A Dog's Life is, I mean, it's fairly simple. It's yeah. Charlie Chaplin. I mean, you, yeah. a little bit of slapstick, a little bit of humor, gags, and involves a dog. Yeah. What more do you want? Yeah. I love dogs. I mean, I yeah, I love Charlie Chaplin. Um, but I think it's interesting when you like look back at stuff like that, especially, like as I was saying, how much it influenced kind of like later generations of stuff. Um, because, and speaking of something that was kind of on my short list, but didn't make it, but like you get a through line of stuff like that to the Marx brothers, that sort of like slapstick humor that kind of endures throughout movies. And then you get like jackass. 
Yeah. Which is kind yeah, of almost yeah. like a direct descendant. It is, yeah. Of that type of movie, which I did not pick, but I did put on my short list, but we, we'll come back to the 1910s yeah, yeah. for now. But um, it's just, I, I find it interesting looking back at like kind of the through line of music, like what kind of started it in sure. a sense. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so, uh, yeah, the 1910s was, I mean, 1914, Charlie Chaplin made his debut. Mm-hmm. He was working at uh, Keystone Films. Um, and I also had a dog's life on my, on my short list. Um, let's see. I mean, uh, 1914, there was also one of the earlier, uh, animated films, Gertie, the dinosaur, uh, with, uh, Windsor Windsor McKay. It's, it's, he's a, is he a dinosaur? Gertie's cute. He's a cute guy. They got a real life Gertie in the MGM studio. They got a real life dinosaur? Holy well, shit. Well, he's like in a pond. He looks really cool. But yeah, Gertie's Gertie's a cool guy, man. Movie magic, um, baby. Uh, Original I'm, Jurassic Park. I'm going to get some, some collar tugging stuff a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. My pick comes from a director uh, people have a lot of issues with, and that's completely fine because he was very self-indulgent, especially, I mean... Uh, during this time he was trying to make his epics like frank zappa uh frank zappa fuck frank zappa you don't like him i don't think he's a little self-indulgent oh that's fair i mean he's I like, fine i, I like just live on the roxy i love that album but hey there bobby brown that's a classic <laughs> but uh <laughs> dw griffith uh um, yeah yeah so uh <laughs> Obviously, uh, Birth of a Nation, which um, you know that's a, that's a, that's a movie that exists. In it tolerance. is certainly a movie that is real. Um, but uh, I'm going with something earlier with D.W. Griffith, uh, mainly because of its its importance um, for the cinematic the birth of language. States rights. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, I'm going with 1911's The Lone Dale Operator, mm-hmm. uh, directed by uh, D.W. Griffith. Um, this was uh, it's 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 a really a short little movie. I think it's only like twenty minutes, maybe. Mm. But uh, it's this you know this girl who works at a train station who has to deal with these robbers. Uh, what's really interesting about it, though, is this was a very early example of cross cutting and using cross cutting to build tension. So you have. Uh, going back to the train for when like help arrives, going back to the situation at hand at the station, um, kind of like having subplots for the first time in a movie and, and, uh, letting the audience, you know, relying on them to like, you know, follow Find along, the through line. Yeah, yeah. Figure it out, figure out what's going on. There's also a famous example of a close up, and not like close up, like sunset Boulevard in that sense, but, a close up Beautiful on a, movie, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that'll be one of our picks. No, maybe. Maybe. Who knows? But um, uh, there's a close up on a wrench that was going to be like used as a gun or a fake gun. Uh, but anyways, he was highlighting that it's an important item and that hey, get, he directing the eye to that. Mm-hmm. So you know, we still have highlighting it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we still had like the static camera, but this this movie had a lot of things helping the you know directing the audience in a sense to what the what how to how to react and what to pay attention to and um you know messing with their emotions in a sense so gotcha. the lone dale operator what was in a dog's life it's pretty solid i think that's pretty yours solid. is better than mine as far as like you know a movie but i i had to pick you know 
You yeah, you went with a slightly harder sell. I feel like that's <laughs> and that's brave of you. Um, I guess we'll get into the 1920s yeah. and. I picked one, and this is legitimately. I love this movie so much. I've, I've tried. I have this on uh, the restoration of this on DVD, and I try to show it to as many people who will bear to watch it. But um, for the 1920s, I picked the Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, mm. which is Robert Vine, yeah, uh, German expressionist film. And this is kind of where I started getting really into like learning about. Or not even learning, but experiencing like films from another time. I love German expressionism, especially again because, as I mentioned earlier, the painted sets. You get sort of like <clears throat> one of the most iconic, like not villains, but like I, I guess he is technically a villain in Caesar, which is uh, the somnambulist in the movie. For those who haven't seen it, but you get these wonderful, like abstract painted sets. These extremely exaggerated. Um, towns and cities where it's kind of adding to the mood of the movie. Um, you get these really interesting, I'm trying to remember the exact technical term for it, but it fades in in a circle into the actor's face and then fades back out for the cut instead of like a just chop cut or anything like that. You start to see stuff like that um, in the German Expressionism. I had a couple other things on my short list, but I'll let you say your movie first before we... Yeah, uh, yeah, the 1920s, of course, uh, German Expressionism at uh, full swing. Uh, Hollywood at full swing, too. This yes. was the start of the studio area. Studio area? Hmm, that's weird, because obviously era. Era. Era, era, era. So you had studios would own their own picture palaces where they would play their, you know, Fox, uh, RKO, stuff like that. Would, would, would Randy, play. Randy Orton was there? Yeah, Randy Orton had his own studio. <laughs> Uh, Out of nowhere. Him and Howard Hughes were tight. Um, <laughs> they flew planes together. Um, Whoa, that's crazy. But, um, so you had that. That's honestly like, I would love to go in one of those, man. I I, yeah. I don't know if, I haven't really looked into seeing if like any old ones existed because we'll get to this later, but a lot of, you know, those had to be shut down mm-hmm. uh, after a lawsuit. But um, I wonder, wonder what happened there. Yeah, I feel like with German Expressionism as well, you kind of get into um, genre, in a yeah. sense. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so it's where like, the horror genre was born. Yeah, horror as well. Uh, uh, Fritz Lang's Metropolis, kind of like... Lovely you know, movie, by the way. Yeah, the sci-fi and stuff like that. Um, you also, at the end of the decade, you get into the sound era with the jazz singer, mm-hmm. um, which kind of put a fucked up a lot of people yeah. in the in the just a couple <laughs> other horror recommendations um because i do like the silent movie era, era i was just about to say area too um goddamn uh vampire with a y yeah and uh no this is actually the decade that nosferatu was nosferatu. released which is very recognizable uh, for fw murnau who also uh he did a did you ever see the last laugh i did not that was almost my pick uh, it's it's a it's a Murnau as well, and it's it's, it's a pretty uh, touching story about an old elevator operator. Oh, yeah. Do you laugh? Um, at least one time. He has the last laugh. I'll oh. Say that much. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, and another thing, we're also getting into feature films. Yes. So the length is longer, and hmm. um, Charlie Chaplin, uh, he's got the kid, and then uh, what I think I think Charlie Chaplin has at least this is just my opinion 
at least f- like four masterpieces. Uh, and I, I think very highly of the gold rush as well. That's a great one. Yeah. So, um, the, the other ones come out a little later, uh, two, two big ones when we get into the thirties, but, um, you know, that's also, was in consideration. Um, I also had the captain of uh, Dr. Caligari in consideration. Uh, Steamboat Willie oh, of yeah. iWorks and Walt Disney. Yeah. Uh, you know. It's crazy to think how early that is. Yeah. Like when you think like Disney's starting, you would assume like 40s, 50s maybe, even for the black and white era. But it's like 1920 is extremely. 1928. That's nearly 100 years ago. Yeah. So, uh, but my pick for the 1920s comes from 1926, Buster Keaton and uh, Clyde Bruckman. I think he's the director. I think they co-directed, but Buster Keaton's The General, Hmm. which, have you ever seen The General? Which one is that? I've seen quite a few Buster Keatons, but I kind of have a mouth. This is the one where he's on a train (laughs) for most of it? Yes. This is, uh, I... This is like this, like <laughs> I don't like. It is like <laughs> if you've never seen the general, you gotta watch the general. I mean, it's you know one of the more famous movies back in this time period. But God, you watch this motherfucker on the train. Like Tom Cruise has nothing, nothing on, this on this dude. He's like navigating on this train, like avoiding dangerous os- uh, obstacles. obstacles, and you know at the same time establishing this. Not like, to mention the safety rules back then were not what they were uh, today. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, he was always he would falling from like off the top of buildings, letting yeah. fucking buildings fall down on top of yeah. him, like he's doing all sorts of shit. But in the general, I mean, he's not only like again navigating on this fucking train; he's establishing this space so. You know, the audience understands that, oh, shit, there's a cannon there. And the the way that will uh, interact with the space over here the, when they come up on this corner and this and this other train over here. And another thing is, like, the jokes are building up on top of each other. So, like, this joke affects the next joke. This, yeah. That one affects this one. He's called by the by the fifth one. You're like, oh, shit, that's from the first joke. Yeah, it's a callback. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's insane. So my, uh, the general is my pick for the 1920s. Um, this was when things were getting a little tough for me as far as a pick, but I I rewatched the tr- whole like main train segment again, yeah. and I was like, oh, these first three to four ish decades are kind of yeah rough in general. I mean, 1920s gets a little bit easier because of the German expressionism, and I love horror movies and kind of seen the um, like bones of where it came from. Mm-hmm. Um, so Caligari is something that I've watched quite a few times. If y'all haven't seen it, you can find like access, like free access versions on YouTube again. Yeah. Um, but I highly recommend trying to find either a restoration. Did the blue, did the 4k come out? Yeah. That's what yeah. I have. Okay. Um, which is, and I think, I, th- I really think it's, a, and you know, for those out there, Cesar from, uh, Dr. Caligari is the original goth icon, so sure. watch it. I know um, that'll get somebody out there to go see it. So and Nosferatu as well in that scene. Yes, I. The thing is, I don't like. I don't think Nosferatu is like a good movie, <laughs> like a good movie. It's, but it's like you yeah. know, Orlock is a very like interesting character. Yeah, and, he's iconic. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also, it's like kind of interesting to see that because then you get to like some of the remake or like you get the Dracula stuff. And then you get like the remake of Nosferatu by um, 
Oh, the Redux with Doug Jones? Is that what you're talking about? Or is there another one? No, it's the other German director. It's much, much later. What's his name? How have I... I've just... I meant to write it down, and I have failed to. What about it, though? It's... they. He kind of redoes the whole story, but he does it with, like, modern um, technology and sort of, like, a modern eye for cinematography, and it's absolutely beautiful. Like, all the darks are so, like... It's like pools you can fall into and the lighting and it's just incredible. But I think you get a greater appreciation for it when you see like where you started with. Yeah. With it. Yeah. So, that's a, and another fun I'm thing. I'm sure I'll remember his name. By the yeah. End of this. Uh, another fun thing. Werner do, Herzog. Werner Herzog. Werner Herzog. Werner. Werner Herzog. Yeah, he putting, did a but, Nosferatu remake. <laughs> that was really good. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's all right. But yeah, putting yourself in like uh, the shoes of people experiencing all this for the first time is really fun. Yeah. Um, anyways, we're going to move on to the 1930s. It's uh, a rough decade. <laughs> pretty rough. The You got the Hays Code being instated. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, f- I guess for those who don't know, is essentially this this code that uh, it was a censorship. Yeah, it's almost like a morality code. Yeah, yeah it was based off of dumb shit. Yeah, and, dumb shit. Uh, kind of... Man, those people back from the 1930s were fucking stupid, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of. I'm just kidding. You can when you go back and watch like movies during the Hayes Code, um, you can kind of see like how some people couldn't really adapt to it that mm-hmm. well, and it kind of ruins the story. Which is very funny because I picked um, another European <laughs> for my 1930s. Okay, they had a version of it too. I forgot what it was called, but yeah, they there was a. You're still recovering from the war. They had a little, yeah. Uh, but also for America, uh, we had the Great Depression. Yep, not um, good. And we had the in introduction. Fact, what? In fact, what? Don't like it. <laughs> Hope it Why happen. do they call it great? <laughs> yeah, true. How about the terrible, no good depression? Yeah. How about the let's not do this sucked. again, except for a hundred years later, or actually in the eighties? But we'll get. Uh, we had some color, and uh, of course, the introduction to the Universal Monsters. Mm-hmm. That we'll get to. Um, I kind of focused on what was going on here. Uh, what, what else was going on in the, in the world? Are you aware of besides uh, impending uh, war? The rise of fascism. Yeah, that too. You had to deal with that. Um, all sorts of fun stuff. This this which is very funny because the movie I picked is German, but it's kind of earlier. It's um, the movie I picked is called M. By, oh. Oh. You didn't pick that one, dude. No, I thought about it. Oh, I'm, it's so good, though. I'm, I'm actually picking my 30s pick as you talk, so oh, go okay. ahead. But I, so I was looking at M. M. Fritz Long is a yeah. movie about a serial killer. One, it's I think it's the first serial killer like really? archetype. Not It's not the first, but it's like the first, like what you would recognize as a serial killer movie. Mm-hmm. Because I think um, The Lodger, which came, it came out in the 20s, is a Hitchcock movie where there's a serial killer. But M by Fritz Long, I think, is where you would find like a lot of the archetypal, um, like, what, what do you call them? Uh, tropes of a serial killer movie. Um, it's a movie about a murderer who targets children. In Played by Peter Lorre. Peter Lorre, yes. Um, who targets children and... Um, his crimes are deemed so great that even the criminal underground begins to hunt after him. Yeah. And there's a scene in the end of the movie where the criminal underground finds him instead of the law enforcement and they hold a kangaroo court. 
Spoilers, um, by the way. Spoilers. spoilers. Uh, yeah, it's from the fucking thirties. All right, people. <laughs> yeah, I so, guess we should have said that for the top. Spoilers for spoilers, all these movies. Yeah, hold on. You want to record that real quick and put it at the beginning? Yeah. Hey, people, we're about to spoil the fuck out of some movies. So if you don't want to fucking hear spoilers, then don't listen or do listen anyways, and then get mad. You can call Andrew about it. Yeah, call um, me. But you should watch M though. You should watch M, but it's really really yeah. good and i think this is kind of the era where you start to get like cinematic technique to start to like develop even more like you get some really incredibly beautiful shots it's becoming an art it's becoming an art you get these incredibly beautiful like lit shots even in black and white of this man in close-ups of his face where his eyes are like bulging in fear well he just he was born that way Peter well he Lurie. was born that way but also the close-up and the like the like distortion of the lens doesn't help. Yeah. Let's be honest. I have to um, mention uh, this is four years after the jazz singer. This is a, this has a great use of sound. It does with uh, in the hall of the mountain king. I think the which is da, 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 da. A, which is something yeah. I had to learn for a piano recital when I was in middle school. How'd you do? Oh, all right. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. I should have practiced more when I was a kid. And didn't really understand the. Uh, what I was learning in okay. terms of like, this is a skill that I could appreciate for the rest of my life, but I wanted to do other things like mm-hmm. play sports and video games. Yeah. M's a great pick though. I have, uh, the criterion Blu-ray. Oh, do you? Yeah. Oh, that's sick. Oh, I had to watch it online. I found it through means. Through means? Like the, well, if you want to watch a nice The restoration, I mean, not the original because original is, public yeah, yeah domain but the restoration is not public domain mm. um you guys can figure what that out you know all the <laughs> listeners of this podcast are extremely intelligent uh, that's what i've heard you know through the uh the, the responses the average IQ on of the, yeah, the average so, iq of the winley actually it says it on the 128 anal- yeah it says it on the analytics well that's crazy yeah it says how smart how do they know is. that how does spotify do that how they have this because well it automatically the score shoots up if you listen to Winley Mania. No, oh, I see, so, I see, I see, yeah. I see, I see. Um, yeah, M, that's a great pick. I might have been almost picking that as well, but I'm glad. <laughs> see, but I'm I'm very happy to adapt. I'm very happy Fair to enough. adapt. So I'll let you go first in a couple of next decades because no, I, have... I want you to go first in the decades because oh, I, I I like adapting. Okay, so, fair enough. I don't want you to have to change it. Goddamn thing. Okay. But I have a lot of picks starting from 1950s on. It okay. really starts to get. Yeah. This, I mean, 1930s for me is where things started to get hard. Really? Yes. Because, uh, again, M. Um, I didn't want to go with, like, the super obvious stuff towards the, the end, like Wizard of Oz and Gone with the Wind. That's fair. Um, I, I considered Gone with the Wind, but I felt that that was, I also don't like that movie. Mm. I mean, I think it's a great movie in like technical terms especially for the time and like what it did but i don't like that movie because it's like civil war revisionism yeah not to like get woke about it but it's just very funny yeah in that way um yeah i i kind of like uh i kind of think about it in a well it's kind of hard to think about it in a sense because they were definitely like fucking Gone with the Wind was definitely not doing this, but when you get to like some of the Tarantino films that have come out recently, like Inglorious Bastards, uh, yeah. Once Upon a Time Django in Hollywood, Unchained. those were a lot of revisionist things as well. Yeah. Um, what was the other one he did out west? Uh, 
Hateful Eight? Hateful Eight, thank yeah. you. I couldn't Those remember. Those are all revisionist things. Uh, he likes to play with history. And yeah. it, but I kind of approach those like, these are fairy tales. Yeah. Like, they literally felt, once upon more a time. Like, and, yeah. like, he was taking an artistic liberty with it. Yeah. Gone with the Wind feels a little too close to the subject matter. <laughs> to, <laughs> yeah. It's a tough sell. It's and it's a also a different time, you yeah. know. Um uh, you know, a lot of not the, to say that you shouldn't go watch. Gone uh, you, with the Wind, I feel like every, you should watch. Gone I think with you the should Wind watch then. Gone with the Wind. I should say that I, it just feels weird for me. Pers, I don't know. Yeah, you know, it it, it depends, but you Make can't. Your really, own mind. You can't deny that it's you know important. It is extremely important. So that's why I watched it. Yeah, I used to watch that yeah. more often as a kid. For some reason, it was always on TV, and we had the tape. As you know, well. we did leave TCM a lot on. Yeah, that was definitely a thing. So, yeah. yeah. That was another one earlier we didn't mention was Bringing Up Baby. From the oh, Bringing Up Baby, of course. Uh, Howard Hawks. Love. One of, you know, I feel like it wasn't because you had, like, the slapstick, but that felt like one of the first, like, almost non-slapstick. Well, this was, like, the time studio, of the screwball. Yes. The screwball comedy. Yeah, but it was, so. like, one of the non, like... I, I kind of categorize them different in my mind, but you have stuff like Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton and stuff like that that were comedies. Bringing a baby felt really much, really more like one of the, like when they first had their big breakout hit of a like studio comedy. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, and we don't really, I'm trying to think of the past like 10 years, the last like studio comedy comedy, but. The Hangover. The Hangover. <laughs> yeah. Like. I'm now watching like, comedies from the early 2000s that i never watched you seen tropic thunder i've seen that good so there's but there was like a bunch of stuff i just never saw so yeah. like the first time i saw super bad was like a couple years oh, ago Oh, really yeah balls of fury balls of fury was one that i was familiar with yes but um, i figured that feels like a andrew movie i love it but I, yeah it was it was yeah. one i i watched a bunch um, but we had to watch Bo uh bringing a baby quite a bit because it was on tcm all the time when mm -hmm. i was a kid for some reason my uh my my girlfriend doesn't know this, but I know it. She's becoming a huge Cary Grant fan oh. because I keep showing her Cary Grant movies. Cary Grant is and it, dude, he still got it. He still got like, it. It's dude. been all this time, and he's yeah. like still like that. Cary Grant magic is working. It is. I so, I do like Cary Grant. She, I mean, she loved bringing up baby. She loved His Girl Friday. Yeah. Uh, hey, I don't. Man. I don't want to get to the. Yeah, uh, yeah. We'll we'll get to the we'll get to the other stuff later. But he still works. Um. So uh, the other Ch Chaplin uh, masterpieces, of course, I was uh, I was really heavily considering considering uh, City Lights, mm -hmm. um, which I love, and it has the most useless inner title of all time towards the end. Uh, have you seen City Lights? I don't think so, actually. Uh, well, I sorry. Well, I'll again, there's I a highly, lot of movies that exist. Yeah, I, I only have so much time. I highly recommend City Lights. Okay. Um, the there's a scene where he enters himself in a boxing competition and it is fucking hilarious. <laughs> um, but there is a one worded uh, or two worded like inner title that is just because this is a silent film yeah. and um, completely useless and kind of ruins the emotional moment of it. But regardless, I still find, uh, look at it as a masterpiece. Also, um, Modern Times, which I mean, this is 1936 and he's still. Silent film. There's a lot of sound elements, sound elements, and other people talking, and of course the tramp sings in that as well um, at the mm. end. But um, 
highly uh, love that one as well. <laughs> um, man, we got a lot of shit. So I'm picking my pick now. So uh, we got King Kong came out in 1933. Oh. King Kong. That's a great pick. Son of Kong stinks, but King Kong's fun. Um Stagecoach by John Ford. That was on my short list. Yeah, yeah. Stagecoach. Um, I don't think that's his. Ma- I think The Searchers is his masterpiece. Sorry, I didn't mean to skip. Out I of that. love The Searchers. <laughs> I'm happy you mentioned it. It's not. I didn't pick that one, but I, that is a okay. great movie. Well, we'll get to that later, I guess. But that's. I feel like that's his masterpiece. Yeah. Stagecoach. I feel absolutely like his- masterpiece and anti Native American sentiment. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. I but, mean, it's still a great movie. Um, but stage Stagecoach, of course, being like the first like. Here's John Wayne. Here's John Wayne. Look at him. Isn't he great? He's going to be here for another 40 years. Yeah. Enjoy him now. You're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, Grand Illusion. That was, I considered that. Um, I almost bought that the other week at Barnes & Noble because they had it on the Criterion cell. It's Criterion. It's one of the first ones. It is one of the first ones. Yeah. Uh, It's, I think it might be like in the top, the first 10. Yeah. Um, first 10 spines of Criterion. By the way, uh, July, November, Criterion goes on sale half off at Barnes & Noble. So Maybe, I think, yeah. I, if you want to get some cool... I bought one today. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to get some cool uh, re-releases with uh, great director commentaries and other cool features, go to Barnes & Noble. Yeah. Barnes & Noble plug. We're trying to get a sponsorship. Yeah, Barnes & Noble, please. Let me have stuff for free. Maybe they'll give uh, you money. Sure. Uh, there was 1937's Leo McCary's uh, Make Way for Tomorrow, which was a huge inspiration for Ozu's uh, Tokyo Story. I hope mm, that's not... I love Tokyo Story. Yeah, so... I have that one. Kind of like the same, like, hey, aging sucks. And yeah. Tradition, hey, tradition sucks. And yeah. But Yashinori Ozu is... Yeah. Um, the Thin Man, uh, uh, William Powell comedy. Just about a, a man who doesn't need a lot. <laughs> I wish, but it's a little more complicated than that. That movie's complicated as <laughs> it's all gets really out. complicated. And there's a whole series. Like, um, 42nd Street, The Public Enemy. But let me go ahead and pick my pick mm-hmm. for 1930s. I'm going with 1939's uh, Ernst Lubitsch. I said his name completely wrong. I'm sorry. But Ninochka, starring uh, Greta Garbo. And I haven't seen that one. She actually. plays... Uh, it's... It's about a lawsuit between uh, it, it takes place in uh, France, mm-hmm. and it's about the um, these 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 Soviets come over to. This was during the time where Soviet Russia was selling a lot of their like assets because they did not have any money. So uh, they were selling these jewels that belonged to the former Duchess mm-hmm. of Russia, and she picks up on this and. So her lawyer kind of like pursues the, um, you know, the the jewels and kind of like figuring out a deal how to get possession of the jewels again. And that's where Greta Garbo comes in to kind of oversee this for representing Soviet Russia. And she eventually becomes de-communist. And it's kind of weird in a sense. It's very anti-Russia. This Can't movie, imagine why. But it is a very, del- it's a, such a it's a, a little early delightful yeah. charming screwball yeah. comedy romance it is very fun greta garbo is hilarious in it with her her character is just has no sense of humor and then watching her evolve and fall in love i no no to guy definitely uh i highly recommend it so um that's my pick for the 1930s baby hell yeah that's so, a great pick 
Yeah. And we'll move on to the 1940s. And this is where things get hard. I think I'm going to have to pick on the spot again. But this one's a hard one for me because this is sort of. I don't think you'll have picked this one um, because this is an outside pick. I'm picking my favorite Hitchcock movie, which is Rebecca. We're pretty similar in picks, but <laughs> we're pretty similar. But I'm, I'll stick with mine. But go ahead with okay. uh, Rebecca. This Rebecca is, is one of I think it's his it's personally my favorite Hitchcock movie. Yeah, this is his debut in the United States. This is I'm pretty sure this is his debut in the United States. It is a movie about a woman who falls in love with a richer, uh, widowed man who ended up. Not murdering, but like manslaughtering his previous wife in a yeah. weird way. It's a weird, tw- it's a weird twist. I won't get too much into it. But it's also a movie where Hitchcock somehow has like one of the first notable, not first, but one of the more notable like lesbian sort of love triangles uh, with uh, the maid and the previous woman. They don't say it outright in the film because of, you know, how people were back then. But it it doesn't take a genius to really kind of see through that. Also, incredible soundtrack, incredible lighting. Um, some of the locations, not even the locations, but like the way that they've kind of shot the interior of this man's mansion. Um are absolutely beautiful, especially for the time, and even in black and white. Um, I highly recommend it. And I had a second pick, but I will let you give your movie first before I mention it, because I feel like it's definitely an honorable mention. All right, so, but the 1940s, film noir was in full swing. I feel like it kind of, it's argued that it started with The Invisible Man in 1933, but we're getting more of a a, a traditional sense, which which kind of brings me to my pick, I, I suppose um, I was going to pick a Hitchcock movie, um, but I want to kind of keep it a little balanced, maybe just in case. I feel like this will be a fun list, maybe if you haven't seen any of these movies to go yeah. through and watch. Um, you should still watch it. I was going to pick Notorious. Oh, that's another great Hitchcock oh movie. Oh, my God. Uh, Cary Grant as well. Yes, <laughs> so, also Cary Grant. Um, and the uh, if you've seen the movie, then you know. Great train scene in it, too. Great train scene. Great staircase scene. Yes. Probably the best scene that takes place on a staircase uh yeah it's literally they had another the great staircase scene i can't remember if it was carrie grant the other hitchcock movie um the one where they took the word gaslighting from but that's not the name of the movie oh charade sure no that's not it um was it rope no that was Any- jimmy stewart Are you no, thinking north by northwest no anyways sorry it might have been Rope, but that was Jimmy Stewart, not Cary Grant. You're right. <clears throat> I had to call him Jimmy, by the way. Yeah, I call him James, actually. I call him James Lee Uzzle. You ever watch... <laughs> now, wait, what if they had the same voice? What, what if they did have the same... What if James Lee Uzzle and Jimmy Stewart had the same voice? Yeah. I, can you do an impersonation? Like, I, can't, I can't really do it. Oh, hey. What's a Turn of Forte song? Hold on. Uh, <laughs> Cemetery Life. What's the one that starts off where he... Uh, he sings immediately. On I think the, on the, the one most the recent song. one. Yeah, yeah. Tessellate. That's what I just did. Cemetery life. Cemetery life. Cemetery. And I don't even want to be <laughs> here. <laughs> February steps up to the line. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I was going to pick Notorious, but again, going to keep it balanced. Uh, film noir, baby. I'm going with 
1941's John Huston's The Maltese Falcon. Maltese Falcon, Falcon, baby. Oh, my God. Great movie. So, Humphrey Bogart, uh, Mary Astor. Talk about a star. Peter Lorre, Mm -hmm. uh, Cindy Greenstreet, who... (laughs) The Fat Man. Another TCM classic. That shit was on there all the time. All the time. Literally, yeah. There are quite a few movies. Like, they obviously showed a, like extreme range of movies but i really feel like the maltese falcon and bringing up baby and then i want to say it was another cary grant movie i felt like are on there constantly oh man anyways but uh maltese falcon um really a uh just sort of opened the floodgates for uh, the traditional sense of like film noir where, you know, it's, it starts out simple enough, you know, Hey, my sister's missing. And then just fucking convoluted as all gets out. And it just really gets more, more complicated up until like the last 10th of the movie. Yeah. Uh, Beautifully shot by Arthur Edison. Yes. Just it. I, I think I actually talked about if I could find my Noirtopia uh, map where I I drew Humphrey Bogart. Here we go. Oh, nice. We never posted this. But there he is for my theme park I made for Noirtopia oh, on really the past good, episode. Actually, um, I I went I championed uh, for all the audio listeners out there. Yeah. <laughs> my the Arthur Edison uh, the where Bogey. Yeah, nice Bogey. Bogey. That was his nickname. I have a cat. We call him Bogey yeah. after him. It's a name after Humphrey Bogart? Well, I don't remember what its real name is, but I call it Bogey. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah. One of my secondary picks for this uh, decade would have also been a Bogart film, which was Casablanca, which yep. I feel Michael like most, Curtis. Michael Curtis, um, which is surprisingly in the 1940s uh, an anti Nazi film. Yeah, pretty uh, well. Pretty on the nose. I mean, 1942. I feel like it, we were getting to that point where, yeah, you know, this is after Pearl Harbor, obviously, and you know they they were trying to like build up some steam for the war effort. Yes. So I feel like that makes sense yeah. for uh, we were breaking free of the isolationism from Woodrow Wilson. God yeah. bless. But even before that, 1940, uh, the Great Dictator Charlie yep. Chaplin. I mean, he was kind of on the whole thing before. Yeah, but comedy always get, always gets there first. I feel like this was like a Casablanca is like a romance drama. Yeah. And it is seriously an incredible film if you've never seen. It. If you somehow have never if seen, you've Cas- never seen Casablanca, Casablanca. Seriously, watch it. <laughs> I'm begging you. <laughs> you gotta watch. It. You gotta see it. Um, it is. It is required viewing. Uh, let's see. Uh, um, some other. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life. Yep. Frank Capra. You know, um, a great movie. But my mom loves that movie so much. That and Miracle on Thirty Fifth Street. Thirty Fourth Street. Thirty Fourth Street. I can never remember. It's Thirty Something. I like. I like Miracle on Thirty. That's a pretty Street. good one. Um, but she loves this kind of like. Christmas. It's not necessarily Christmas, but it's kind of a Christmas movie. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Kind of fits the vibe of the season. Sure. Uh, Citizen Kane, mm-hmm. of course, or which is else. considered like the greatest film of all time by critics or something like that. Yeah, but they, have they ever seen Shaquille O'Neal and Steel? We'll no, but the- have they ever seen Shaq Fu? <laughs> I don't think so. Oh. So uh, Citizen Kane. Uh, oh, some post-war stuff. Uh, Europe was kind of dealing with, yeah. you know, we just had a war and we got fucked up. So, uh, Ital- Italia, hmm, that's weird. 
Italy, in 1948, we had Bicycle Thieves. Have you ever seen Bicycle Thieves? I have not seen that one. We've got to watch Bicycle Thieves. Got to watch Bicycle Thieves. I've got to put that on my list. Bicycle Thieves. Um, Late Spring by Ozu, which I watched for the first time Incredible. this week. Oh, my God. I, I, know, <laughs> I know that this might come up again, but I love Yoshinori Ozu. Yeah. He is an incredible filmmaker. Japanese movies back... I mean, we'll see in the 50s. This was but. the first of the... There's a trilogy, the Noriko trilogy. Yeah, the Noriko trilogy. Yeah, I believe Late Spring is the first one. So, And then... Uh, the Shop Around the Corner, another uh, Ernst uh, Lubitsch film in 1940. Jimmy Stewart. That's a fun comedy. That one inspired... You've got mail with Tom Hanks. If uh, that, I highly recommend that. Uh, Jules Dassin with the Naked City. Uh, another noir I kind of wanted to point out was uh, "Lever to Heaven" by J- uh, John M. Stahl, which has like a really great femme fatale. Uh, Who played the female lead? In, uh, not female lead, but the uh, in "Lever to Heaven." Yeah, Gene uh, Turney, who also played Laura in "Laura," which is also a great. Uh, Otto Priminger, yeah. film noir, okay. Dana Andrews. I recognize her face, but I can't, I couldn't place her like in something else. Um, another favorite, Billy Wilder's Double Indemnity. Yes, Double Indemnity. Which uh, I'll have a mention for him later. <laughs> I'm worried now. Because, but, all right. Uh, it's not my pick. But John I'm, Huston's The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Yeah. Another Humphrey Bogart. Um, yeah, 40s baby. So again, yeah. what was your pick? Uh, Rebecca by Rebecca Alfred Hitchcock. And mine was The Maltese Falcon. Falcon. Great pick. So I love the 40s. I love this era. There's so many other movies that I didn't mention. Uh, yeah. So yeah. now on. we get to the 50s. The 50s is fucking insane because not only you got movies, it you gets, got TV. You do get TV. You got fucking a lot of gimmicks though, yeah. uh, like 3D and Cinescope and Vista Vision. No. The Cold War was going off. You had a lot of genre, mm-hmm. so a lot of sci-fi. And this is where I think, I mean, there was already a kind of a larger international scene of film, but this is where they start to really intersect in like terms of like stuff getting stolen from other countries. Not stolen, but inspiration being taken from other countries into so for the 1950s i do have a couple of things that i had not picked i wanted to mention you mentioned billy wilder earlier i did not pick this but ace in the hole Mm. um was on my short list it's a movie that stars kirk douglas in one of his biggest biggest roles it's a movie about a man who is trapped underground it's a real life story that they adapted to this movie a man who gets trapped underground in a cave and the man who first finds him starts to fabricate the situation to make a news story out of it so that he can profit slash get his job back. Um, and it's not a noir in the sense of like a detective movie, but the mood is very much noir in a sense. Bleak. Bleak. A um, couple of the movies. Um, Seventh Seal. I wanted to mention Ingmar Bergman on my so list. So I haven't watched that. Um, I have his entire, I have the entire... Oh, you have the set? I have the complete box set of all of his work he's ever done from Criterion, so if you want to... Can I borrow it? Yes, you absolutely can. Thank you. Yes. Um, Vertigo by Hitchcock, which is my second favorite Hitchcock movie. Mm. Um, a lot of people love that one. Great one. And, um, my pick for the 1950s is Rashomon by Akira Kurosawa. Nice, yeah. Which is a Japanese film, and it is... One of the most incredible things I've ever seen. It's like the birthplace of like the unreliable, not the birthplace, but it's like where 
like the concept of the unreliable narrator like kind of reaches its full peak. Yeah. Well, you know what they call it? The Rashomon effect. The Rashomon effect. Yeah. Um, not to mention it's beautifully shot. And Akira yeah. uh, Kurosawa is one of my favorite directors of all time. He is like incredible at using movement in his film, where to cut, when to cut. He's um, If you've never seen a Kurosawa film, I highly recommend. Uh, on my short list also for the 50s from him uh, was Seven Samurai. Yeah, he was killing it in the 50s. Well, he was absolutely <laughs> murdering it in the 50s. Seven, Seven Samurai, Samurai is... Ikaru. Ikaru. Fucking Rashomon. Kurosawa also like sort of invented spaghetti westerns accidentally by making... Uh, uh, was Hidden Fortress 50s? I think Hidden Fortress was the 50s. The next decade was when um, Yojimbo came out. Yoke. Which is where um, Sergio Leone got the idea for the Dollars trilogy. Oh, okay. Um, which is the famously the Clint Eastwood movies. The that's the sixties. We're talking 60s. about the fifties. Yeah, but anyways, he he did Yojimbo and Sanjuro, which are samurai films. And if you haven't seen those, they're essentially like uh, spaghetti westerns, like The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, and The Fistful of Dollars, but samurais. But Rashomon, anyways, beautifully shot. It's the story being told from different perspectives of people who were involved in the crime of a man being killed and his wife being taken by a criminal. Yes. Um, and it... I don't want to give too much away, but uh, essentially they have all these different narrators and you have the setup of the film of a monk and two men um, talking about what just happened as if it was a crazy story that just happened. And it's very much a reflection on, like, humanity and, like, you know, finding hope and, like, the bleakness of existence. Mm -hmm. Anyways, Andrew, what Great was pick. your... Great pick. Um, I kind of... I didn't think I was going to have to wrestle with the 1950s, but I ended up having to. There's a lot of There's movies. a lot of great shit. Um, I mean... I tried uh, to limit it in my short list to some stuff because I didn't want to... Uh, 1940... Or, Jesus, 1959... Alfred Hitchcock, uh, North by Northwest. Great movie. The, the first James Bond movie, really. It really is. Um, although you can kind of like point to Notorious, too, just because it's like a spy thriller with Yeah, it's romantic. kind of a spy thriller, but North by Northwest feels like the first one where yeah, the well, main yeah. man is competent. Yeah. Uh, someone, uh, Cary Grant is Don Draper, and he gets mistaken for James Bond. Yeah. So, great movie. Uh, 1957, Stanley Kubrick's Paths of Glory. Mm -hmm. Also Kirk Douglas. Uh, Douglas Face in the, great, a lot of great movies. Uh, Face in the Crowd with uh, Andy Griffith. Uh, Rear Window, which was almost mm -hmm. my pick. Probably my favorite Hitchcock. That one's up there. He has a lot. Of, I mean, he has a lot of great movies. But. Yeah. Uh, Tokyo Story we talked about. Yeah. Twelve, Twelve Angry Men. Sidney Lumet. Uh, or Limit. I'm not sure. I have his book, but I don't know how to say his name. <laughs> Uh, Vertigo, uh, singing in the rain. That's a uh, that was Seriously, I considered that. That was on my short list too. I didn't I didn't mention it because, but um, I know people will kind of like look at it and say, "Oh, it's kind of a musical." No, Singing in the Rain is one of the greatest movies ever made. Yeah, and I one of the greatest musical movies, but yeah, one of the greatest movies. It's seriously great, yeah. and you like people don't realize this, but like a lot of the like choreography and stuff that they're doing, like especially the one in the rain, he's wearing like a wool coat yeah. that weighs like 50 pounds well, because of the rain. Yeah. It's 
it's seriously watch singing it sorry <laughs> just watch it watch it uh billy wilder's uh sunset boulevard yep uh bridge on the river Kwai, roman holiday uh all about eve forage blows uh touch of evil I'm just like naming shit. Oh, yeah. a, a, an underrated noir. I feel underrated at least. Uh, Night in the City, starring Richard Woodmark, mm-hmm. um, where a guy, a con man, uh, he's already skeezy and he kind of lowers himself even more. And it's a great story. Uh, the Searchers, um, and I wanted to mention the uh, the Bub uh, Bodeker westerns as well. The Tall mm-hmm. T. Have you ever seen any of those? Uh, oh, Randolph Scott movies but my pick for the 1950s comes from the it's weirdly enough another sort of russian well this one actually is a russian movie uh 1957's the cranes are flying which i've talked about on yes. this show you have mentioned this which um, episode was that i remember i don't remember i kind of randomly mentioned it because i had just watched it and it still affects me like it's it's uh i I, I haven't seen a lot of uh, the Russian movies I've seen or the Soviet, uh, however you want to say it, uh, later into the 70s and yeah. some 60s stuff. But before that, there's some Me other too. ones I haven't really I kinda seen. I kind of got obs- not. Uh, I feel like a lot of it gets blocked out of my memory because I think of Tarkovsky. Yeah, like Tarkovsky. Immediately. So. Whenever I think Russian or Soviet movie, I think of Tarkovsky and then. I can't remember the name, but he was like a, not necessarily animation, but he did like puppets. Oh, I don't think I know that. Um, and he was been, he's been working on it, like a movie for like 40 years now. It's, it's, it's something insane. There's a, I'll, I'll have to look it up later and tell you about it after this. But I, I, I think about this sort of documentary I watched about him, um, where he did these sort of like stop motion slash animation puppet movies and they're incredibly like emotional mm. they're great anyways but uh the cranes of Fl- the cranes are flying takes place uh during wartime for russia and uh actress tatiana uh Somovia mm-hmm. plays this girl named veronica and her um what's her boyfriend's name i always forget uh i don't know connor I, I don't really i always forget their names man i'm sorry but I've never. I'm this is like actor this is to... the great like um, just show. It's it's a little propagandy sort of uh, during for this time. Like you can kind of interpret the ending as sort of like let's do anything for our mother country. But the way I interpret it, it's just sort of like these two people had so much love for each other, and it is not even like through like the performances. I, well, obviously through the performances, yes, it is pervaded that way or uh, portrayed that way. But um, how it's shot, there's this when when he goes over to her apartment and she's up the stairs and he's so excited to see her and has something to tell her. And the way the camera follows him going up the stairs and it's spinning because like, you know, you get dizzy when you fall in love, mm-hmm. man. So but the ending where. Again, the way I interpret it, just taking this love and, you know moving it forward you know to people who may not be able to experience something like that so yeah. I, I don't know how to like kind of explain it. it's more of a feeling than anything um but the cranes are flying you ever seen it yes okay, i have you seen, seen it cool. yeah so 
You know what I'm talking about. Yes. I don't want to spoil it because I feel like it's probably it's not. It's really hard to like, yeah, because yeah. it's really hard to talk about some of these without spoiling it and wanting y'all to watch them. But I force my friends to watch movies with me all the time. So, yeah, you know, just get together, make some popcorn. I don't know. Do dinner with your friends. Watch a movie. <laughs> so let's move on to the 1960s. Now right. we get to some spaghetti Woo. westerns. Yes. We get rid of that fucking haze code. <laughs> so we get some more experimental shit. We got Which some, is very uh, funny because not a single spaghetti western is on my short list. Really? Even though I love them completely. Uh, we get some spy films, some yeah. heist. Uh, special effects start uh, kind of coming together with some cool shit. Uh, we get the Beatles. <laughs> Truly, we do get the We get Beatles. the Beatles. So uh, um, what about what about the 1960s? Well, I'm going to start off on the complete opposite side of the globe. Um, on my short list, I wanted to mention... I just did one of these because I thought... For some reason, I thought you were going to pick what I was... No. Okay. This, this is, I think, where we'll... So I wanted to mention um, kind of one of the... Like the absolute pinnacles of like one of my favorite kind of genres of film, which is the wuxia films, which are these Chinese films that are about like um, sort of mythological characters. Um, they involve a lot of martial arts and sort of choreographed wired wire fights and stuff like that. King Hu starts making move or starts making some of the movies he's more well known. Um, one of them being Dragon Inn, which I need to mention now because it will come up be important later in one of my other picks. A movie called Dragon Inn, which is a Wuxia film about um, a general and uh, some confidants hiding out in an inn in the middle of nowhere in China after they're being uh, they're sort of being pursued by the magistrate's office of the emperor for rebellion. Um, and if anybody hasn't seen any Wuxia films, I highly recommend this one. They have great... What was the pick again? Uh, this is not the pick. Oh, okay. This is, okay. I just wanted to mention this oh, because okay. I like Wuxia films a lot. <laughs> um, and they make a reference to Wuxia films in the newest John Wick. The radio station in France in John Wick 4 is named Radio Wuxia. Oh, okay. Just a little tidbit there. I've still only seen the first one. <laughs> well, you'll get there. Yeah. I know we talked about John McFour on the last podcast. We had uh, I explained my reasoning. I think I did. Where I everyone you got wanted, to everyone yeah. got to wait for the John Wick movies. I don't want to watch them back to back because yeah. I can personally, just me personally, I can only take that much violence in one sitting. Fair enough. <laughs> so it's like I'll say this: four is definitely worth the watch. Yeah, um, I'm excited to watch them all, yeah. but yeah, you know, it's just like I, I got to well, space. Them I just wanted to mention Wuxia films because it's a genre that I find personally enjoyable. Um, and King Hu, uh, it's K I N or King, and then H U. He is a Hong Kong filmmaker. Um, Hong Kong, one of my favorite cinema uh, cities in the entire world. Um, I wanted to make a cup, couple of mentions. Um, Midnight Cowboy, which is a John Schlesinger film, that's mm. an American film. Uh, it is a movie about a man who moves from Texas to New York to try and make it as a personality slash actor slash singer. Um, and it's got, uh, oh, I've just blanked on his name. Uh, Dust, uh, Dustin, uh, Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman, Dustin Hoffman in it. Hey, I'm walking here. He plays a uh, homeless man, yeah. uh, who becomes a important secondary character in the movie. Great movie. Um, Onibaba, one of my favorite horror movies of all times from Japan uh, by Kaneda Shindo. Um, incredibly beautiful black and white film um, set during sort of like the uh, warring states period of Japan. Um, it Just watch it from the cinematography alone. Like the black and white is so beautiful. All these like sort of night shots 
And then Harakiri is uh, also on my short list, nice. which is Masaki Kobayashi. It's also kind of like the trend of like, it's almost a spaghetti western in a sense with samurai, but it is incredibly told, uh, incredibly told narrative of a uh, person kind of finding revenge in a way. Anyways, my pick uh, is a French film Ooh. called. Oh, 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 I think I know what it is, but go ahead. You want to guess? Is it uh, is it Le Samurai? No. Oh, shit. I love that movie though. <laughs> Okay. No, it's Playtime. By, Playtime, nice. By oh Tati. man, nice. I fucking love that movie, dude. Yeah, nice. Go on. Oh, Playtime. I love Playtime. If nobody has seen, I mean, obviously people have because he's Jacques Tati is like again what we were talking about earlier, like the root from like Charlie Chaplin and slapstick and gags in films coming to like it's like its pinnacle. I don't know of, of many movies that have like quite quite hit the itch of a Jacques Tati movie. Yeah. But Playtime is a just a constant series of gags in different locations. And they're all shot from this super wide like perspective where you're like seeing everything going on. It's almost like where's Waldo? Yeah. But instead of wa- finding Waldo, everybody's Waldo and you're just <laughs> looking for gags. Yeah. And you can rewatch it over, over and over, and, over and, and you'll like find new shit. It's yeah. seriously nice. Oh, I love Jacques Tati. I'm glad. I'm curious to see what your pick was because, but Les Samurai, as he mentioned, another great movie. It's kind of, it's a French movie about a man who dresses really nice and is a hitman. <laughs> yeah, it, it's very French. It, the yeah. dude dresses in a six great, suit. Like one of the greatest chase scenes as well. Oh yeah, through the through all the subways and stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh man, um, yeah, the sixties again, super tough. Uh, but I've been pr- I've been pretty set on my pick, although like I've been tempted to change it, but I I will not. Um, we got uh, Stanley Kubrick with like Spartacus. Oh, Stanley Kubrick, by the way, was killing it this year. Yeah, uh, two thousand one, A Space Odyssey. That's uh, my favorite Kubrick. Got uh, Doctor Strangelove again. Another one. Uh, Lawrence of Arabia. Yes, that was on my short list too. Uh, I didn't mention that. James Bond, the true not Casino Royale. Forget that. We're going to go with Dr. No, the first James Bond movie. We're not going to talk about Casino Royale. I love Casino Royale. <laughs> I like the new, I like some of the newer James Bond movies. No, I'm talking about the, have you ever seen the original one? No, the original, of, original Yeah, Royale? a bunch of, like Woody Allen plays James yeah, 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 Bond. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Sorry, I thought you were making a reference to the newer ones. Uh, I actually kind of like the newer Casino Royale. Yeah, I like the new one too. Because uh, I'm also a huge Mads Mikkelsen fan. <laughs> uh, Sergio Leone's trilogy yep. that we touched the on. The Dollar Trilogy. A fistful of dollars, a few dollars more, and The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Nice. Uh, Planet of the Apes. Yes. Franklin Schaffner, who uh, also directed a, a movie in my book bag right now, which we'll huh. may get to in the 70s. Do I have a movie in my book bag? I usually do, but I don't know. Uh, Psycho, of course. Yes. Uh, the Graduate. Oh, this was, this was high up on my... I was about to pick this, but John Sturgis's The Great Escape. Um, everyone is in this movie and it's a fucking it's a hefty movie a lot goes on but I love it it's a great movie to watch with dads too was uh, Once Upon a Time in the West in the 60s as well or was that 70s I believe it was 60s late 60s I think I think it was late 60s Once Upon a Time in the West just another shout out for Spaghetti Westerns um let's see butch cassidy the sundance kid rosemary's baby so many fucking western movies every everyone's every director's favorite movie eight and a half 
Yeah. Fellini. I, you know, I like that movie, but I can understand why it's like lauded, on, like not only, but like people who yeah. <laughs> like movies a lot. I just, re- like, every time I read like a director's favorite movie, it, it, it's up is there. Always, Fellini is always in there. Yeah, Fellini in general, but eight and a half. It makes me want to direct a movie just so I, like, I like eight and a half, but I want to, you know, I want to get on that other level yeah. where it's like, okay, I get it. Uh, charade, masterpiece. I yeah, think. I think they um, say that because they are too afraid to say Sala, which is the other like really famous Italian movie that's really fucked up. Mm. Uh, I don't think I've seen that, so that's why I was lost. Yeah, sorry. The blind spot. Sorry. That's uh, fun. Hey, I've got plenty of them. So yeah. charade again. Uh, when I mentioned that, Cary Grant, Audrey Hepburn, yep. love that. Uh, Who's she? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? Z. Uh, Pale Flower, which was almost uh, a pick. Um, George Powell's The Time Machine, which was an adaption of yes, The Time Machine. The Time Machine, which I... Weird book. I had to read that for high school. We had this weird discussion about it. Yeah. I think the, the that movie's lovely, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert Aldrich's The Dirty Dozen, kind of like yeah. The Great Escape, um, in, a, in a sense, but they're not really escaping. Yeah, they're just... I think it's just like that, a big, like Telly Savalas is in it. He's really weird in it. Um, yeah. It's just that that big cast of dudes. Together. And yeah. like, uh, yeah. Uh, Leave Marvin's great in that too. Uh, Persona. Ingmar yes, Bergman. Yes, Ingmar Bergman, who we mentioned earlier. Uh, another great dad movie, Bullet. Oh, that you were calling Persona a great dad movie. I was like, One what? of my favorites, but I'm not going to pick it. Uh, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. I don't think I've seen that one. Um, we also had some uh, musicals. So My Fair Lady, that was 60s, right? Yeah, yeah that, that was definitely I 60s. think that Audrey was Hepburn, 60s for which, sure. Danced on there. Uh, Sound of Music, West Side Story. All right, like, let me get to my pick. I just yeah. <laughs> Sound of Music is a great one to at least throw in there. Yeah, just because of its general. But that was my short list, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying Sound to of Music. Out. It's a big uh, movie moment is when it was mentioned in The Pacifier. Yeah, which is the Vin Diesel movie in which he plays a bodyguard for children. So my pick for the 1960s comes from 1960. Billy Wilder's The Apartment. Which, oh, uh, that's a good pick. So I didn't even think about that one. Jack Lemmon, uh, Shirley MacLaine, Fred McMurray plays a fucking asshole. If you've never seen The Apartment, uh, Jack Lemmon plays an accountant, and he's kind of like working his way up in the corporate ladder by giving in to his superiors by lending his keys to a, his apartment so they yeah. can go and have mess with their mistresses. <clears throat> sex. Have <coughs> sex. Penetration. Yeah. There so, is a recent remake of that in the past. Really? They remade it? They sort of did Why? a remake of it, but they made it into more of a horror Oh, that vibe. sucks. I don't it was that. not good. No. I don't recommend it. The Apartment, though, is a perfect movie. Yes. It's Billy Wilder, so it's light on its feet, but it actually gets like... It hints up for when we talk about the 70s, like as far as isolationism yeah. and sort of that whole philosophy. It's a, it, it gets bleak at points. Um, Billy Wilder is fairly bleak i feel like because as i mentioned ace in the hole early like yeah. the decade before is like an extremely bleak look at like media and it really foretells like a lot of like the sense like how media sensationalizes crimes and stuff like that and the apartment is also kind of that but it's almost on more of a personal human level than like a larger media level mm-hmm. but um he also uh 
I feel like Nanochka, my other pick for the uh, 30s, he he was a co-writer on that. There's a moment in Nanochka that also has like a moment of uh, you know bleakness. So yes. I, I feel like you know he's he's got the rep the rep for the uh, the he's just light like on his feet. But yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> So, uh, what was your pick again? Uh, my pick was Playtime by Jacques Playtime Tati. in the Apartment. Solid. Def- very Solid. similar. It's a hard Completely. Decade. So, uh, if we'll- you want a good, if you want to just, you know, have a good light time, then go watch Playtime. If you want to think about humans. How humans act up sometimes. Yeah, how humans be doing shit sometimes, for real. The uh, watch The Apartment by Billy Wilder. So the ni- On to the 70s. The 70s. So you got, uh, I feel like in the 60s, like uh, Mike Nichols, of course, uh, there was a crop of uh, these new hotshot directors. So you had mm-hmm. like Martin Scorsese and Francis Ford Coppola, uh, some random guy named George Lucas who never really made it. Who the fuck's that? I don't know. Uh, you kind of got like uh, a new like flip on noir where it's like neo noir as they like yes. to call it. The blockbuster was invented, of course, in this decade. Um, I feel like every time I watch like any documentary that touches on like movies in the United States for the seventies, it's always the same sort of like, you know, we wanted something different. We were tired of the establishment, yeah, we, <laughs> isolationism. You do get that. a lot of variety in the seventies. Yeah, but you also I, get martial arts. Yes. I so. did write on my short list. I did not list everyone out. I just put in a little footnote that says Bruce Lee existed. He did. He did. He certainly existed in the seventies. Hmm. Um, and I can uh, I am ha- I feel really bad because I love Bruce Lee movies, but I sometimes get the names mixed up. Um, enter the Dragon Fist. Enter the Dragon Fury. Fist. Yeah, the French connection. Er, yeah. The French connection. French, wait a minute, no, that's not right. <laughs> Bruce Lee and the, the French, French connection. connection. Well, he has another movie called um, whatever it is, the connection, uh, something connection. Um, the I Rainbow was, Connection. Yeah. Um, no, Enter the Dragon, uh, The Big Boss. All these other Bruce Lee movies are in this decade. Highly recommend them. I also have that uh, box set. The Bruce Lee one? The Bruce Lee yeah. one from Criterion, because love him. Um, uh, the one in Rome, I, can, I think it's Way of the Dragon, or Enter the Dragon, is the one in Rome in which he fights Chuck Norris in the Coliseum, which is unbelievably sick. Uh, just fuck, fucking love martial arts movies. Anyways, you also get stuff like Carpenter, Halloween came out in the 70s, mm-hmm. um, which is one of the... Not the first slasher film, because obviously Psycho came out, but like what people point to as like one of the highlights of it in its early sort of years. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Texas 74. Chainsaw Massacre, which was an indie film, which people don't really realize, because people think like they know Texas Chainsaw Massacre, well, but it was shot like in a house in Texas in like 120 degree heat, yeah. like over like a month maybe mm-hmm. by like a crew of less than like 30 which is really crazy to think about and it's way more art house than i think people give it credit for anyways yeah <laughs> sorry um a couple other things on my short list alien by ridley scott yes. which is incredible my favorite horror movie it's an ins- i love it it's so good i'm glad that you you like it um another mention a lot of horror movies i'm gonna uh house by nobuhiko nice. obayashi yeah, yeah. which is a japanese horror movie 
I, I mean, it's called a horror movie, but, but it's, it's... It's a comedy in a sense. It's kind of a comedy because it's an extremely inventive movie using a lot of different editing techniques. Um, there's a movie... There's a part in the movie in which a dismembered head bites somebody on the ass, which is <laughs> yeah. very funny. Um, uh, just a couple of mentions. Uh, a Touch of Zen, which is another King Who movie. Mm. Uh, bringing up Lucia again, just to give you another hit of that. One of the greatest, it's an incredibly choreographed movie. Um, seriously, watch it. Uh, Stalker by Andre Tarkovsky. Stalker, nice, yeah. Tarkovsky make, has made some incredible films, that and... Uh, Solaris. Solaris, which uh, is the other one Mirror. I was going to mention. Mirror. Mirror. I watched uh, the 4K Mirror, wow. and it looks it looks like it, that was came out in 1975 yeah it looked like it was made fucking yesterday yeah like it's insane like it looks it's very so funny good you see that and then you go and watch solaris which is an incredible movie yeah but you see the end of solaris where yeah. they're like zooming out of the earth and you're like damn this is almost like waltz and gromit levels of like <laughs> fake but it's but it's an incredible movie but my pick for the 1970s is uh also a horror movie oh um, horror movie. It is Carrie by Brian nice. De Palma. Okay. I didn't. That was. I, mean, I don't think I was expecting that, but that's. Uh, yeah. It is. This is sort of my photography brain taking over, because Brian De Palma is an incredible. Like he's an incredible director, but some of the stuff I love from him the most is his like cinematography and photographic direction. Um, in his movies and Carrie the lighting like all the red especially from the butt like and also it's just a great movie like i feel like most people who even haven't seen carrie know where carrie ends Mm. in some like way like you know what happened like i feel like the cultural sort of osmosis like lets you know kind of where that movie ends but it's still great to watch even over and over again and the the absolute beauty and the like uh sort of uh cinematography and the like fo- uh, photographic direction of that movie is incredible the fucking deep like saturated reds uh, oh god love that shit um good pick good pick these have been solid picks so far yeah i think we've done solid, a pretty good job solid so far. picks um 70s again I had a really i had a hard time and then i kind of came across what my pick is mm-hmm. and i was like you know what it, it i'm glad you picked carrie because again it, it's uh i feel like it's a nice balance yeah. to i want this well, to be balanced to an extent. Where i'm not uh i, and I maybe we should kind of re- but i love carrie but it's not my yeah. favorite movie from yeah, the yeah. 70s probably I mean, if I would have picked my favorite, it might have it might have been Alien. Yeah, that, it might have been Alien. That's a that's a good point to make. Actually, that maybe these aren't necessarily our favorite movies. I know we're like an hour and a yeah. half in, but yeah, we said it earlier. But just to reiterate, I love Carrie to death, but I'm I'm picking it because I feel like it represents sort of one of the things I like about movies the most is like the cinematography and like the photographic like the direction of photography within a movie. Yeah. And I feel like Carrie is one of the stronger examples of that, especially when you get to the prom scene. Mm-hmm. So on my short list, I mean, alien again, uh, uh, apocalypse now, uh, Chinatown taxi driver, Chinatown's all sort of the obvious one. ones. Yeah, um, taxi driver. I had Annie Hall on there as well. Woody Allen's Annie Hall. Uh, Woody Allen. Would you <laughs> yeah, like Woody. to 
What are you, what are you doing? I shot a moose. I have uh, a coupon. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if life was like this? Uh, <laughs> what if I married my daughter? <laughs> <laughs> She's related? She's related. Gotta put a ring on it. Uh, <laughs> Close Encounters of the Third Kind was on oh, there. I showed um, that movie to my friend Veronica for the first time last year. She'd never seen it, and she cried at the end. It's a, it's a very It's an incredibly emotional yeah. ending. Um, emotional. Emotional. Uh, Racerhead was on there. Mm-hmm. David Lynch, uh, got to mention Lynch. him. We'll may or may not talk about him later. Maybe. But um, who knows? John Borman's Deliverance. Oh, hmm. uh, this is an obvious movie from the 70s. Um, a movie that kind of revitalized like genre. Mm-hmm. And it, and, uh, it was an established genre. And of course, we had a, a just a fantastic series of movies to follow it and you know there's new things being made now of course um you know sci-fi fans fucking go nuts about it um of course i'm talking about robert wise's star trek the motion picture (laughs) i knew you were gonna say star trek (laughs) but i knew you were gonna say star trek um which uh which is just can we just not mention the other one (laughs) yeah no it, this came out, um, what was it, two years after that other one? Yeah, which other one? Uh, Star Wars, but... Fuck. But Star Trek, the motion picture is... Uh, the director's cut... Just note, I don't uh, hate Star Wars. No, me neither. I, I, the first one's my favorite, Star yeah. Wars, but... Uh, really? Yeah. I was a big um, uh, Empire Strikes Back fan as a kid. You know, I, I was a big Return I of the Jedi the ice, fan. I like the Ice Planet. That was yeah. why, when I was a kid, I really liked Hoth. That's fair. The, I wanted to go there for some reason, yeah. just incredibly badly. Um, I, I like the first one the best. Um, That's fair. And uh, the other ones exist. And that's all I I'm have say. come to appreciate <laughs> the prequels for my own. I can watch. Time. I mean, they're fun. They they're definitely. Fun. I mean, obviously, I like. I love them to like an extent. I have just like, have like these weird, strange memories that those movies and the spider, the first two Spider Man trilogy with toby mcguire we my my dad had a car that had a uh dvd player in the back like in the ceiling when my Mm -hmm. sister and i were kids um so we would constantly watch movies and one of the other movies that i'm going to mention later um will will also uh on my on one of my other short lists will be have been one that I watched a million times, but those those original Star Wars or the uh, prequel Star Wars and Spider Man movies, I don't know. I have weird memories of those. <laughs> That's fair. I just think the first one is like so perfect. Where I'm watching the other ones, it's like I just want to watch the first one. I, just I guess wanna, That's fair. I just want to watch that. The one. third one I'm not so hot on. The second one and the first one I really like. Uh, are you talking about the original one? Yeah, the original third. Oh, okay. The you third, the Return of the Jedi is fun to watch when you're aware that Harrison Ford is fucking high as shit the yeah. whole time. Fucking, he's Ford. gone. Was seventies uh, Blade Runner? No, that's next. That's yeah. next decade. Sorry, yeah. I actually have that on my shortlist. The next decade. Um, let's see. Uh, Harold and Maude, Murder on the Orient Express, Express. which yeah. is a Hercule I feel Poirot. like. Poirot. Little, I, I, maybe it's just me, but I, I feel like craftsmanship wise, maybe a little underrated. It's very well mm-hmm. made. Um, I think it's better than the new one. Oh, yeah. And I, <laughs> I feel bad because I actually kind of like Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. Just like as like a actor and stuff like that. But 
I don't know. The I guess new, Henry V. Yeah, Henry. Oh, I can't believe you mentioned it already. Yeah. Well, we'll that get was to it later. We had to watch that as well as a kid. My mom, I keep bringing her up. My my mom was strangely obsessed with St. Crispin's Day when I was a kid because of that movie. Just the the speech? Yeah. Or the day itself? Well, was, was it a the real day, day because of the speech. Oh, okay. Because that was the day the speech happened on. Okay. And she loved that movie. And also, well, she loved Henry V by Shakespeare. But my mom's a big Star Wars fan, so she's probably gonna be like, "Why are you?" T-? My mom is like a big was a big reader. I, yeah. I mean, I read a lot, oh, yeah. but she was a big yeah. My mom was kind of the cultural one in the family hmm. until it came to music. Then my dad was, you know, my my mom's a big Star Wars fan. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Hey, good uh, for her. No, well, it's fun. Uh, she she also like turned me on to like uh, like a lot of like hair metal when I was a kid because that was like her yeah. bag when that was coming out and there's a hilarious picture of her holding it's her and she's kind of like dressed up like super like normal and like a very 80s like sweater yeah. and like brown pants and the yeah. sweater's tucked in but she's like holding her copy of Shout at the Devil <laughs> it is I love that picture that's but, funny um, my mom introduced me to like Billy Joel my dad introduced me to like Earth, Wind and Fire oh, okay and then my extremely my uh, love him to death my Uncle Lee who lives in, like lives in Elon and is in the mountains and hunts and all that stuff he introduced me to Fleetwood Mac which is like completely out of the hemisphere of what you would assume but sure. God bless him because he did me a service anyways what about you for the 1970s? 1970s. I guess I'll just get to my pick. I'm I'm spending. I have so You're many uh, uh, so many things. I'm enjoying I to pick. it. My pick for the 1970s. 1978's Richard Donner's Superman the movie. Superman. Yes. I'm. You know what? I I can see why you picked that now. I was not expecting it. Um, Superman the movie. Is is that the one where he flies around the Earth? He, the ending is a little silly. Yes, that okay. He I couldn't remember time. if that was that or Superman Two. He reverses time, yeah, reverses by time. flying around Earth and making it go the other way. Yeah, but Christopher Reeve is just so Man, wonderful. He can walk. Yeah, <laughs> good lord. <laughs> um, for those who don't know Christopher Reeves is unfortunately disabled at this. He, well, he's deceased he's deceased now but, but uh, anyways <laughs> that whole South Park bit about him getting into stem cell therapy sorry <laughs> my pick Superman the movie <laughs> Christopher Reeves is wonderful in it though he uh, is really good Gene Hackman uh, there's a great story actually where Gene Hackman at the time had a, uh, a mustache. When did the conversation come out? That came out in '74. So he's in that. That's Francis Ford Coppola. Um, Gene Hackman. He had a mustache, but Richard Donner was like, "Hey, you need to shave your mustache uh, f- for the movie because I don't want Lex Luthor to have a mustache." Fuck that, dude. And Gene Hackman was like, "Come on, I want to. I want to. I want my mustache." He's like, look, they're on the phone. So he's like, look, I'll shave my mustache if you shave yours. And he's like, okay, fine. So um, they get to the they get to the set, and Gene Hackman doesn't have a mustache. Richard Donner does. He has a mustache on, and Gene Hackman's like, what the fuck? And so 
Richard Donner peels off the fake mustache he'd been wearing just to get Gene Hackman to shave his mustache. Oh, that's funny. And Gene Hackman's like, you son of a bitch. bitch. Yeah. It is very funny to think of Gene Hackman without a mustache. I mean, I'm kind of used to him without the mustache. Really? I, I, think, I just think uh, about the roles that I see him in and it's always facial I hair. think maybe because like, I've seen like the birdcage a lot. That was yeah, like, maybe. I guess we'll get to that. But um, My favorite Gene Hackman. My favorite Gene Hackman role is not one in which he's necessarily the main character. It's, um, we'll talk about it later. Okay. Um, but yeah, Superman, the movie, uh, the main reason I pick this is I think it's a one, I think it's great. Uh, I, I know the ending's a bit goofy and there are some like goofy things within it. Um, but if you really look at that first chunk and the origin of Superman in this movie and how it's presented, I compare it to how people talk about the first 10 minutes of Up, where it is like yeah. laid out so thoughtfully and 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 it and, moves to the next point. Yeah. And it's so... It, no, so superhero movies were different back then. Like, I think a lot of people kind of, if you haven't seen like the original Superman, I think a lot of people put like a lot of the kind of modern bias of like the either the DC universe or the Marvel universe on like super movie, superhero movies, but they were really a lot rarer back then in terms of like, you weren't having one come out every year. It right. was more of a passion. Well, project. super, I mean, they filmed, they filmed Superman one and two at the same time. Yeah. At the same time. But I, <laughs> that was more of a like studio thing. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like uh we're going to create a universe thing. Yeah. Um, but I, this, the the journey that Clark Kent goes through and the loss when he loses Paul Kent, and then this mm-hmm. this this yearning he has to be something in this world, and just the way Christopher Weave, Reeve plays Weaves. Superman, Christopher leaves. Hmm? Christopher Weaves. Christopher Weaves. Christopher Weaves. The way he acts like he wants to be Superman, and it's just um, sorry. Uh, yeah, Superman. I the apologize movie. for anybody out there who that may have <laughs> felt personal. It was not okay. So. That's my pick for. So, what was your pick again? I, we, Carrie by Brian Carrie De Palma, and who Superman, is a the movie. great director. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty good balance. Yeah, pick. So we'll move on to the 1980s. 1980s. I don't think you're gonna pick my pick, so I would love to hear your pick first. I definitely don't think you're picking <clears> my pick for this one. Well, I don't want to like ruin your pick by my honorable mentions. So you won't. I need I to be more brief with those. By the way, I'm really sorry, everyone. I felt like I was going too short on them. Um, but yeah, the 1980s, of course, the uh, you know, we, uh, animation was kind of like yeah. Disney wasn't doing well, but we had like Don Bluth and Studio we had Ghibli. Japan. Yeah, this is where Japan's yeah. like animated movies started Which, really hitting. Yeah, uh, I think um, Grave of the Fireflies, Castle Cagliostro, which are both Ghibli. Um, Ghibli films. Gary the Firefly is one of the most depressing things you'll ever watch in your life. It's an incredible, emotionally hard film. I don't think that was the 80s, though, was it? It was. Gary the Fireflies was the 80s. Yeah, well, okay, so Castle in the Sky is on my short list. Yeah. So that was 86. Man, I don't know yeah. why I thought. Castle Cagliostro was also in the 80s, which was and, uh, um, the debut film of. I don't. Of Studio Ghibli. Uh, uh, why have I just literally blanked on his name? He's literally the most famous. Miyazaki? Miyazaki, thank you. It was his <laughs> debut film. I thought you meant someone in the movie, and I was no, like, no, Who no, 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 no. <laughs> Castle Cagliostro was the debut film of Miyazaki, his debut uh, okay. Ghibli. And then uh, 
Nausicaa. Nausicaa, The Valley of the Wind, which is my yeah. personal favorite. That's fair. Ghibli film. Um, I got to read the books, and that's uh, just as fun as the movie. I think um, looks, looks great. They are a good. Book. Yeah. Uh, my shortlist, though, uh, James Brooks broadcast news. Hmm. Um, highly recommend that. Uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Probably my good favorite one. movie from the eighties, uh, along with Back to the Future, good of one. course. Uh, yeah. Blue Velvet. Blue Velvet. David, David Lynch. Lynch yeah. Gotta mention. I feel really bad because I didn't pick a single David Lynch film for my picks, but I love David Lynch so much. Uh, Midnight Run. Robert De Niro yeah. and uh, Charles Grodin. That's a hilarious and very sweet movie. Uh, Thief. I think. Did we talk about? Yes, Thief? we did. We mentioned. We, it I think we talked about it before the podcast. Yeah, we, we talked about it because of. I, I watched Rafifi today. Um, oh, Rafifi great film which we didn't French mention. Uh, heist film oh that's what no we didn't mention on the podcast we talked about it earlier oh do we yeah we talked about it before the podcast remember when you mentioned you brought Rafifi out that's what I said no oh, yeah anyways I uh, <clears throat> the elephant man was on there too Raiders of the Lost Ark probably yeah. you know probably the greatest adventure film of all time you know I think it's hard to argue yeah. uh, but it doesn't have short it doesn't have a short round short round though. I like Temple of Doom but um Man, uh, Akira? Yes, animated film. John Borman's Excalibur? Yeah. By the way, if you watch Akira, please watch oh. the subbed version. Watch watch it with the original Japanese voices and not the English voices. Terry Gilliam's Brazil was also... Yes, Brazil. Uh, uh, another one of my he favorites. He was one of the Monty Python troupe. Yeah, and uh, no, oh, I'm not, I think that's going to be your pick, so I'm not going to... Which one? Nope, not going to say it. Say it. I'll tell you if I was right. And I'll tell you if I was wrong for real, okay, too. Raging Bull, uh, Long Good Friday, Mona Lisa. Anyways, my pick for the 1980s kind of embodies like action movies at this point. Uh, it is uh, 1986's. It's kind of weird to say 1986's. Uh, James Cameron's Aliens, the sequel to the Alien. The sequel to Alien. I, th I like I, that. I Aliens is like. Alien is a perfect movie, of course, I think, yes. but it's, um, but to continue it and just flip the genre into this big fucking blockbuster. Yeah. Uh, cause it's no longer action. like a horror movie at, at in aliens. No. It's very much a like action. Imagine like at that time, like you're a big fan of alien and you're like, Oh, they're making another one. And then you're like, let's be so uh, oh, here's the title for the next alien movie. What's it called? Aliens. aliens? Holy Whoa. shit. There's going to be more than <laughs> one. Oh my God. <laughs> but yeah, uh, fucking, uh, co-written by Walter Hill which, uh, and James Cameron. Um, James Cameron, I think is like the master of structure as well. If you look at he his does. stuff, you look at, you look at Terminator, like that's mm -hmm. such like a lean movie. Uh, Terminator Term is actually not my favorite Terminator movie. Well, Terminator 2 is Terminator better. Terminator 2 is way better. <laughs> it's it like is an incredible movie. I, I, it's not my pick, but I want to mention Terminator 2. Term well, Terminator 2 makes Terminator <laughs> worth watching, I feel like. I mean, Terminator is a great movie on its own, don't get me wrong. Terminator 2 is absolutely worth watching terminator like doing a double feature i feel like sure but uh, you can watch terminator 2 by itself i think yes you can they kind of they kind of make it so you can um also like james cameron like he would he would cast uh i don't know if he would cast him personally but he was in a lot of his michael bean mm -hmm. or uh yeah michael bean so um 
he he was who did he play in? Uh, he was the main guy in Terminator. <laughs> that goes back in time. Not Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> I was going to say. I my- forgot the character's name. Um, Lance oh, Hendricks. John Connor? Yeah. Sarah Connor? Uh, Which one? Not John. John Connor's. John Connor's dad. Oh. The guy, in, you know, it's Michael Bean. Fuck. <laughs> I uh, forgot his name anyways, too. But yeah, uh, him in this. And uh, yeah. I like him in The Abyss as well. Yeah. Um, Lance Henriksen playing Bishop. Bishop. A very fun character. He's an android. Uh, but Aliens, yeah, huge, huge movie, great movie, I think, and uh, it's my pick for the 80s. Yeah. Go ahead with yours, and I think I know what it is. Okay, so I've got a couple of shortlist ones I want to mention. First shortlist one I'm mentioning is also a movie my sister and I watched in the back of my dad's car on road trips a lot of times. Uh, Princess Bride by Rob Reiner. Mm. Incredible movie. The I honestly think one of the best, like, sort of fantasy medieval movies ever made sure personally um couple other things grave of the fireflies already mentioned incredibly sad the thing by john carpenter incredible movie i love john carpenter i have to mention him again uh airplane another short list mention that um leslie nielsen stole my heart in that and uh the naked gun Mm -hmm. i absolutely talk about things that also kind of evolved from some of the earlier but Airplane's kind of more, anyways, uh, more of a comedy thing. Blade Runner by Ridley Scott. Another short short list mention real quick. It's a little uh, movie called Blade Runner. Blade Runner. Blade Runner. Blade Runner. I showed this to my friend recently. Um, also a movie that I incredibly adore because of the cinematography. Um, all the neon, the incredibly beautiful shots, the way they use light in the movie to like silhouette characters and like sort of light up. Um, and then... Uh, just to kind of quick mention uh, on my short list of the Evil Dead series, ah, yeah, which yeah. are some of my absolute favorites. Um, yeah. Love Sam Raimi. Um, the first two are incredible, and they're kind of goofy in a horror movie, since the first one's actually kind of more of a horror movie. Mm-hmm. The second one's kind of goofy. The third one is definitely goofy. <laughs> what are the it, this incredible... This is my boomstick! Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing Army of Darkness for the first time, and my mom, like, I, I saw it when I was like nine or ten. Oh, it came it's on like HBO. It's a cartoon movie. It blew my fucking it mind. Is and I hadn't seen the other ones before. This was just sort of like randomly placed yeah. in front of me. And I, it, it, like, yeah, that's, I, I'll always remember it's the first time. It's almost like I watching a live action cartoon at certain points. Yeah, it yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. So your pick for <laughs> the 1980s. My pick for the 1980s is. Is it the name of a town? It, oh wait, you did! I got it. Fuck, <laughs> Paris, Texas, by Vim Vendas. Yeah, yeah. You do you know this because of my letterbox? Um, I did kind of peruse. I, I perused your page a little bit, and I was trying to. I was like, what? I wonder. Yeah, I it's can, it's in my top four movies of all time right on my so letterbox. This is a moment where I have picked one of my favorite movies of all times for the for the list. That's her. Um. Vim Vendas is a German director who has, and this is his first. Uh, foray into shooting something for the American audience. Um, does a hell of a job. He does a hell of a job. And, you know... Harry Dean Stanton. He's got fucking Harry Dean Stanton. He's been 40 since he was, like, born? Since he was born. Um, you know, another quick mention of a Harry Dean Stanton movie. Uh, partly Fiction is a sort of... Um, what would you call it? A, uh, like, by... 
not a biopic, but it's like a documentary biography about Harry Dean Stanton. Mm. Um, so he was an incredible like uh, character actor as well as uh, in this movie a lead actor. Paris, Texas is one of the most absolutely fucking emotionally arresting movies you'll ever see in your life. Not to mention it's got a sick fucking soundtrack by Ry Cooter, um, who is an incredible uh, incredible musician who has done quite a few deli- I was going to say delicious, fuck. What the fuck? Uh, <laughs> delicious soundtracks. Delicious soundtracks for movies. Um, but it's a movie about Dar- Harry Dean Stanton who's a man who comes out of the desert um, with some sort of sort of memory loss slash he's kind of been disappeared for a couple years and his brother comes to pick him up and it's sort of a movie about him reconciling his past as well as reconnecting with his son who he left with his brother and his brother's current wife anyways at the end of the movie it's got spoilers spoilers uh it's got a scene with um him and his wife who sort of left him slash ran away from him and gave his son up to his family and they have this sort of back-to-back conversation and the way it's shot is oh, like God, a yeah. classic shot reverse shot but it, in the booth yeah in the yeah, booth yeah. oh it made me cry i'm le- legitimately i cried when yeah. i watched that scene. you know it's an interesting it, okay so is she she's working she's like a sex worker of sort sorts? of a sex worker but it's like um it's one of those things where she's in a booth and it's men watching her. Yeah, and the booths is like they're decorated. They're decorated. Um, it's kind of like a th- is the last one she in the hotel room booth. I think it's a hotel room. Isn't it interesting how Harry Dean Stanton's character, the way he kind of like deals with things, at least in my interpretation of it, yeah. like he kind of he can't deal with things like directly. It no, seems no, he can't. He has to do it sort of like even earlier. He in has the to movie, do it on his terms. On his terms, and he, like either that or from a distance. Earlier in the movie, the way he reconnects with his son is he's walking home with his son from school, but he doesn't walk with his son from school. He son from school. He walks on the opposite side of the street. Yeah. And it, he kind of deals with things in a very distant way, but the way that they shoot the scene is the closest mm-hmm. like he really ever gets to a person while and still separated and is still separated yeah. by the glass. Yeah, and um, I, uh, what I was getting to was that <laughs> it's kind of funny thinking about like he had his son in that hotel. Yeah, and they could have had this conversation in the hotel. No, but it, I mean, no, he had the, he's, yeah, yeah. He's, his his ex wife is in a fake hotel. Yes, faux hotel. Yeah, yes. so that's that's that's. I thought that's a really interesting. That ending scene makes me cry. Yeah. It seriously does. It's, um, not to mention the cinematography. Yeah, it looks <laughs> great. This is a very common theme. The photographer really likes when they do sh- cool stuff with the camera. Yeah, these unbelievably beautiful shots of like the Texas nowhere's villainess, mm-hmm. um, where they find him. Um, the way they shoot the uh, sort of booths at the end, um, they use Super 8 film uh, throughout the movie of like these family vacations that Harry Dean Stanton and his son and his brother and his brother's wife went on. Um, throughout the film, they intersperse them as kind of like faded memories. Oh, so good. And if you haven't seen other Vin Vendors films, I also recommend those. Um, he does a lot of movies that are kind of involve like the road and travel and sort of like finding your place um, in the world, which is what Paris, Texas is also about at the end of the movie, which I won't completely spoil. So, yeah. 
So that's a double feature for Aliens and Paris, Texas. Yeah, watch Aliens to get hyped up and then watch Paris, Texas and fucking Completely cry. Break you down. So uh, let's move on to the 1990s where uh, we had another young crop of uh, directors and a lot of indie films were kind of making their way to the top. Um, the Disney Renaissance, if you want to mention yes. that. Uh, you had- Which is funny because I actually like come with some of the earlier Disney films better. Like I have fonder memories of them. Like Mulan, I really liked and that was kind of like the Renaissance. But like the original Jungle Book was like mm. in the 70s, 80s? 60s. 60s it might have been even earlier it was pretty early like i loved the jungle book as a kid mm. um but the 90s definitely had that i don't know if you have do you have anything specifically special i have a, a uh, bit of a short list for this one yeah i had a few picks you also had kind of like um i feel like what this is where i started getting the childhood movies sure uh this was where you were a child yes. for a little bit um but <laughs> eh, pretty good bit um, a lot of the things like established as far as like in action movies and in dramas from the mm-hmm. 80s I feel like got even more saturated in the 90s if that makes sense Yeah, kind of like a little more over the top uh, so I mean I had a few things so let's see uh, The Matrix yep uh, I had that on my short list Titanic was The Matrix was Oh, oh! You know what I like? Matrix I, was the two thousands. I thought Matrix. The Matrix was nineteen ninety nine. Oh, it was the very end, and the Matrix. Yes, yes. Which yes, my right, favorite right. Wachowskis is probably Bound. Their first. I love movie. Wachowski. I have an outside pick for Wachowski movies, which is I really actually enjoyed Speed Racer. I love Speed Racer. I love Speed Racer. Get that weak shit off my track. Yeah. Oh, the ending of that movie is so insane. Yeah, I wish that was playing at IMAX constantly. Truly, yeah. I would literally like. I love Speed Racer like throughout the throughout the thing but like the ending race of that movie oh, is yeah. so visually insane it's hard to believe the one dude going stop, stop him. <laughs> yeah yeah ah! <laughs> yeah uh the coen brothers uh miller's crossing yeah i think is a fantastic like uh, gangster movie scream uh you know we didn't mention the godfather in the 70s because <laughs> <laughs> i just i just looked at goodfellas and i was like holy shit <laughs> yeah we didn't see- mention the godfather sorry godfather movie uh, you good. should watch yeah it's good you you ever seen the godfather <laughs> you ever uh, seen the godfather uh, Robert Altman's The Player yep. I, I had up there. Uh, let's Sorry, see. I'm going to say Scream again because we just interrupted because I love Scream. Wes Craven started sure. really getting into his prime. Fargo was on there. Um, Heat, Michael Mann. Heat, of Heat. course. Uh, oh. Starship Troopers. Clerks. Space. Clerks. There's a lot, lot of movies in the 90s. Yeah, there, yeah, it turns out a lot of movies in the 90s. Uh, Seven. Yes, Shawshank uh, Redemption. The Sandlot. Pulp Fiction. The Phantom Menace, The Big Lebowski, yeah, Hard Boiled. Uh, well, not. <laughs> What's your pick for the '90s? My pick for the '90s. Well, I mentioned a couple, just a few other ones I wanted to. Blair Rich Project also came out in the '90s, mm-hmm. which is like not the project, but like when people think of found footage film, mm-hmm. Blair Witch Project's where it starts, and then there's a good reason. Great movie, um, The Crow, uh, which was Bruce Lee's son Brandon Lee, who also tragically died. Mm-hmm. Great film. Um, Wild at Heart, another David Lynch film. I had yeah. to mention it because I Nick have, Cage. Yep, Nick Cage. Nick Cage. Uh, what's her name from Jurassic Park was in it. Uh, forgotten her name. Laura Dern. Laura Dern. Thank you. I was gonna say. Uh, I was literally gonna say the name. Listen, of the- if it's a if you're talking about a lead actress in a David Lynch movie, 
80% of the time it's Laura Dern. Yes. Yeah. Here's the issue is I was going to say the, I was going to say Laura Palmer and it was kept oh. getting stuck in my head, which is yeah. too close to Laura Dern or yeah. Laura Dern. But I was like, Laura, Laura Palmer, yeah. Laura Palmer, Laura, um, hard boiled John Woo film from back when he was in, um, sure. Hong Kong, uh, for people who don't remember, John Woo did face off, which is the Nicholas Cage, uh, John Travolta film in which they swap faces. Um, clerks again but my pick for the 90s is going to be a uh, Hong Kong film by my favorite director of all time um, and this might be my favorite movie of all time it's called Chungking Express you know I have not seen that I know the I concept of it his box set okay well I guess I have to borrow <laughs> can I borrow your stuff yeah you can borrow all my stuff okay um yeah, yeah. Explain that movie because that's uh, Chunking Express is a uh, part of a two-part movie series. Uh, the for other ones called Fallen Angels. They weren't originally necessarily intended to be, but they are movies about vignettes of people, sort of. And Chunking Express is uh, two vignettes. One is a young cop who falls in love with a sort of con woman slash smuggler, but he doesn't know she's a smuggler. Um, and then the other vignette is uh, the love story between a, a B-cop and a uh, woman who works at a sort of express food mart thing um, in Hong Kong. Um, but um, things about Wong Kar, Wong Kar Wai is one of my favorite directors ever. And one of the things that you you get in them is they are just dripping in like atmosphere the music choice is great. Um, they use a movie called uh, a song called California Dreamin' in this movie by the Mamas and Papas. Mm-hmm. Um, they use it over again, but it's kind of a theme throughout the movie. Um, his lighting and cinematography and like photographic direction in the movies are my favorite ever. And I don't think I like I I will say they're my favorite favorite ever without like really competition um the way he uses the camera is beautiful the angles the lighting the saturation of color um the way they kind of like make things soft um not to mention the story of the movie is absolutely beautiful and will make you cry it's two stories right it's two stories but they're like connected but they're connected sort of that's all i know about it um and then fallen angels which is the other movie that uh that i'll mention um from him which is kind of like the second slash first part they don't really have like a beginning of the end it's also another movie that has vignettes but they were all all the vignettes were sort of dreamed like thought up in this sort of larger narrative about like people they're very human films Mm -hmm. about kind of like love and like connections you make with people and like being alone or like finding your place in the world um, and Fallen Angels is the other one of that, also an incredible film, so I have to mention it here, but Chungking Express might be my favorite movie of all time, and I know that we weren't, like, necessarily picking, but I felt like I had to at least That's, I mean, you there. could, literally, you could pick whatever you yeah. want. Yeah, I didn't always but, do that um, for everybody, but I, I feel like I needed to pick this one and at least give it a shout out. Yeah. And if anybody wants to see it, just literally let me know. I will <laughs> make it happen, I yeah. promise. I mean, all these, all of my picks, I... Aside from, I guess, like uh, the 1900s and the yeah. 1910s, I don't necessarily love those movies, but everything else I, I absolutely yes, love. So I agree. Um, so I guess I'll slip in one more mention real quick. 1997's uh, Kiyoshi uh, Kurosawa's Cure. Yes. Which is a great uh, horror movie. 
I also like to mention Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park, Schindler's List. Schindler's List. Um, we didn't really. What's talk, so we, funny about hey, Schindler's oh, List? Oh yeah, we didn't mention Jaws. Jaws. Oh fuck, we didn't mention Jaws. I love Jaws. See, don't worry. I'll, maybe uh, there's we'll a lot of movies, guys. There is. Okay, so but my pick for the 1990s. Uh, you know what it is? No. Just, oh, you gave me a really good point. I pointed directly at him because I was trying to hype him up for 1997s. David Lynch's Lost Highway. Oh. Uh, wait, what? No. What was that? I just wasn't expecting that. We, we That's a expect- good pick. It's, it's, uh, it's my pick for the 90s. What do you, where does that rank in your David Lynch Um, sort of? That's a good question. It's just interesting because I've not ever really met someone who's really championed that film. I feel like Lost Highway... It depends on my mood, but sometimes it's number one for me. Really? Yeah. And all of his work, I'm including Twin Peaks in this. Yeah, I mean... Uh, okay. And Firewalk With Me. Firewalk With Me is sometimes number one. And, really? and that's... Uh, uh, you said that very disappointing. No, no, I'm not being disappointed. I'm just... I'm, I'm just... I'm uh, ready for you. I'm, it, I would it, like to hear your perspective. It kind of depends, I guess. Um, I don't know. It's uh, I'll talk about Lost Highway, but yes. uh, as far as his oeuvre... Uh, David Lynch's, yeah, uh, I mean, how French? Elephant Man is, uh, yeah. you know, that's obviously a different one. Um, when it comes to like yeah. sort of like the puzzle box movies, like Lost Highway, uh, Blue Velvet. Like, I guess, like, it, I like it Blue kinda, Velvet. I do like Mulholland Drive yeah. and Wild at Heart. I think a little bit more than Lost Highway. That's fair, personally. Um, but yeah, I don't know. A lot something about Lost Highway uh, just does it for me. I think oh, it's. Yeah. What about Inland Empire? I like Inland Empire. It's it's it's, it's a bit it's of a. a it's, that's of, a movie where like it starts off fine. It's like, yep, this is a David Lynch movie, yeah. and then you feel it. It just fucking goes off in this other direction. <laughs> You're and it, like, what is going on? And it on? doesn't stop for the next like two and a half hours. hours. You're just like, Jesus Christ, what happened? Um, but you know that's. You know, I I kind of just that's a movie you watch where you I literally will like talk at it in a yeah. sense where it's like I'm just like oh Lord Duran <laughs> like I don't know um, but yeah Lost Highway of course uh, starring uh, Bill Pullman yes um, our our lovely Patricia Arquette plays uh, two From characters Tip-toes. Renee and Alice yeah um, I don't know it's just sort of like I I like first of all I think it looks great. You know, yeah, I I have the no. The, that's absolutely undeniable. It does look re-release great. Um, it looks because a lot of his stuff has that soap opera esque yeah. look. Very not staged in the sense like, but I know what you mean. Yeah, um, I think you know this is kind of a collar tug because he's a piece of shit. But Robert Blake is like fantastic in it as the mystery man. That's fine. Um, I love Val Kilmer and Tombstone. So, <laughs> so uh, one of his best performances ever. It I fucking love Tombstone. I it, it Lost Highway is just sort of it has that noir feeling I like, and it's kind of like structured in that sense. And it's it, this is also sort of two different stories in a sense that collide in the one. Um, and towards the end, there's a great like needle drop of Romstein, where Bill Pullman's kind of like taking yeah. his vengeance out on. You know, I wonder how many people, people got introduced to Rammstein by Lost Highway. I don't know, but it it it, it works well. It's a, uh, but 
but I, yeah, I love the lost highway. I wish yeah. I, I'm not going to go. A great movie. I'm not going to go into the, like the, uh, we could spend, that's a whole other podcast where talking we talk about David Lynch in general. will just send yeah, you for um, hours, but talking about the, like our interpretations of specific things is like, uh, yeah. but for me, that's like, I don't know and when it comes to like the, I guess the main three, like, I guess you could throw Firewalk with me in there too, as far yeah. as like what people call his puzzle box. A razor head, well, a puzzle uh, box. Never mind. I was gonna say, but um, yeah. that's you know, I, I don't know, just something about it. Uh, really, it's just a feeling. It's just that that wind in the air that uh, I I like to suck in yeah. and get it in my lungs. So, the weird analogy, but I, I don't yeah, know. Lost just, Highway. Lost Highway, great movie. Not to you, you scoffed at it. No, I didn't scoff. I loved the movie. I just was not, you sent me for a loop for a second. Yeah. I just wasn't expecting it. Yeah. All right, so we're getting into the 2000s now. We're going, we're getting on the home stretch. Home stretch. So, uh, 2000s, we had a lot of, uh, this is where a lot of modern franchises, of course, uh, that we're all familiar with Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, yeah. uh, computer animated films with like such None of as, which I picked. Uh, no, Shrek, Shark Tales. Fucking uh, love Shrek. You know, I went to see the Turn of Forte boys up in Raleigh, and at School Kids Record, they have the complete Shrek collection. Wow. Up on their shelf behind the counter yeah and devin asked how much for all of it <laughs> and they said not for sale whoa cruel i watched the video of the set devin looks like uh, a dad who doesn't who only sees his daughter like two months out of the year bro devin was kind of starstruck because before the set started uh fred mascherino came up to him and shook his hand oh he so, loves taking back sunday oh so. i love taking back sunday too it was a weird night seeing fred play acoustic with yeah. my friends yeah it was, anyways. Two thousands, uh, fantasy sort of got like revitalized. With, well, yeah, well, Harry Potter things. and yeah, Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings. But there was a, some other like yeah dumb movies that I won't mention. Well, I've got some. I, I might mention them uh, for some of my short list. Jackass starts in the two thousand. Yes, the great sword and sorcery fantastical adventure. <laughs> I mean, Jackass. I didn't mean the fantasy, but <laughs> I, I feel like I would have done myself a disservice if not like mentioning a core childhood memory which was sneaking into the theater with my friends to see jackass because we were underage sure um black dynamite also in the black 2000s. dynamite uh, a very inspirational film to me in fact i love that the movie. animated show i love the anime oh the one from adult swim yes yes oh my god with uh uh mr rogers in it there's an episode with uh mr yeah. rogers yeah. And uh, the the fake Kermit the Frog guy, the frog. Uh, um, Mulholland Drive, Mulholland Drive, Drive yeah. which is one of my favorite Lynch films. That one's up there. Uh, yeah. So I, I mean, I I, I um, love David Lynch, and like they, they finished the Matrix movies off, or the original trilogies at least. Yeah. Although my favorite character is not in the second second or third one, Tank. Yeah, I love Tank. Tank. Um, I like Train Man though. Truly, Tiptoes. <laughs> Also, man, can't. fuck. Not <laughs> talking about tiptoes. Move on. Move on. Um, quick mention: Satoshi Kon. His most popular movies were, uh, or some of his more popular movies were in the two thousands. He was a Japanese animator slash director. Um, did a movie in the two thousands, which is one of my favorite, called Paprika. It's an absolute. I haven't seen that, but I fucking know. Fucking yeah. visual treat. Yeah. Um, 
kind of fucked up too. Um, but a lot of his movies are that kind of way where they're visually beautiful and the stories are beautiful, but they're kind of fucked up. Um, mm-hmm. Perfect Blue, another example. Um, In the Mood for Love, another Wong Kar Wai movie. I need to watch that. Incredible. I almost picked it up today. I'll, I'll let you borrow my copy. I'll okay. let you borrow the box set. No problem. <laughs> I'm coming with all these box sets. I'll, I'll just bring you all my box sets and let you get through it. Um, uh, Moonlight, I uh, wanted to mention a couple other ones. A couple of the movies from a genre I love, which is Taiwanese New Wave. Uh, Ho Xiao Shen, uh, Millennium Mambo, is a kind of sort of drama. It's about a girl outgrowing a relationship with a guy, sort of. But it's... Um, I don't know what it is about this these Taiwanese sort of new wave films that they started doing in the nineties and two thousands, but they are incredibly life affirming, mm. um, and sort of like meditative. Um, Ho Shashen's not quite as slow as Shami Long, who I'm, uh, I'm probably butchering that name cause I don't speak, you know, Taiwanese. Right. Um, but, uh, the other one I want to mention was Goodbye Dragon Inn, which is a movie I mentioned earlier. Dragon Inn uh, was a King Who movie I mentioned earlier. Tammy Long is a another Taiwanese New Wave uh, director who did a movie in the 90s also called uh, The Rebels of the Neon God. And if you like slow, contemplative movies that kind of like take an inner look at your emotions, his movies are incredible. Um, highly recommend them. But I had to be a little ba- basic and my pick for the 2000s is a movie I have watched nearly 100 times probably at this point, which is The Royal Tenenbaums by Wes Anderson. Oh, okay. Um, which is my favorite. Uh, Wes Anderson movie? No. Uh, <laughs> we talked about him earlier. Um, sorry, guys. I have had a... Kenneth Branagh? No. He's not. Uh, mad, I don't think. I don't know why. No. Uh, uh, Smoking the Midnight Bandit. Or not, no. You mentioned him earlier with the mustache, the mustache story. Oh, Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman. Favorite Gene Hackman role Okay, is uh, Royal Tenenbaum. Sorry, really nice. bad with names sometimes, people. <laughs> um, That's okay. But it is it is my favorite Wes Anderson movie. Mm-hmm. Um, because it is, I think, where you get the most of his sort of style has come out. Because before this, he did like Bottle Rocket which is like a movie he wrote in college with uh, the Owens brothers, um, who star in a lot of his movies. Um, but his style, I, I feel like his style wasn't 100% kind of solidified then, but you get a lot of the like, you know, front-facing frame where it's a lot of meticulous design stuff, but it's still got quite a few things in there where it's a little bit more handheld Mm -hmm. so it hasn't completely given over to some of his later stuff which i still love but it's it's also just a beautiful story love it love it very nice and the colors are nice too god the color grading in that movie is so good yeah so good and the music choices and it's like one of the only movies where i look at gwyneth paltrow and i don't think of goop Hey, I didn't mention, um, I don't know why I just thought of this. I didn't mention the taking of Pelham 123. Oh, uh, great the, the Which 70s. one? The one with John Travolta in and- No, <laughs> Walter Matthau, dude. <laughs> but dun 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 I love that movie. Anyways, I don't I for some reason just thought of that. So great movie. Good pick. Uh 
My pick for the 2000s. Well, some There's of the sh- so much stuff in the 2000s. Yeah, here. my my short list are some of the sort of more obvious like dramas, I guess. So like 2007, both 2007. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's There Will Be Blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Coen Brothers' No Country for Old Men. Love which, that. Uh, oh, and I need to mention real quick. Oh, brother, where art thou? Oh yeah, which yeah, is yeah. a movie that I had the. I got the CD for the soundtrack as a kid. We used to Christmas. have one too at my grandparents. We have for some it still yeah. at my house. Yeah. Um, Allison Krauss in the station, baby, and Dan Tominsky. <laughs> uh, the Prestige, The Departed, Mulholland yeah. Drive, up there as well. Which um, um, which American Pie movies came out in the two thousands? I feel like Beta House came out in the two thousands, which was a. Which I think was, it was everyone after the first one. Yeah. Every other one. Which was a popular movie in my friend group because we stole the VHS from Blockbuster and just had it. Naughty dog. I didn't steal it, okay? I would like to put that out there. (laughs) It was stolen by another one of my friend group. We just simply shared it because it had nudity. (laughs) Okay. Uh, That's a a fair reason, I guess, you know. Hey, listen, we were kids, okay? Okay. Give us a break. (laughs) Um... A little movie called District Nine. Yeah, I actually really the movie enjoyed. fucked me up as a kid. It wasn't like supposed to be a scary movie, but yeah, freaked me out as a kid for yeah. some reason. Yeah, that was on my short list as well. But for my pick for the two thousands, for some reason we didn't mention his first. Not his, his third movie, but it was his like it's probably still his most popular movie that came out in nineteen ninety nine or eight nine nine I think. But this was his like. This was his fourth movie, but a lot of people think it's his second movie. He had the... How successful the first movie pulled something off mm-hmm. kind of like defined this guy's career. Um, this was 2000's M. Night Shyamalan's Unbreakable. Unbreakable. Yes, I love Unbreakable. It, That's a good pick. That is a super atmospheric movie james newton howard's score in it is like Mm -hmm. so like moody and like he has like these it's almost like lo-fi beats how people think of it um i can see that but uh bruce willis is a guy who is he's unbreakable you think he remembers that movie at this point in time he wouldn't be able to tell you (laughs) jesus uh sam jackson Sam Jackson, yeah. The kids called him Mr. Glass. Uh, yeah. Definitely it, the best one in the two parts here. <laughs> or the, I guess it's three part because. It's three. Oh my God. I, I love, I like Split is like, I'm a little higher on Shyamalan because I like, yeah. I don't, I don't know why, but I am. He definitely had a bit of a dip, but I kind of actually like some of his more recent stuff too. I think he's. I loved Old. Old was good. I haven't seen Knock at the Cabin yet. Knock at the Cabin was fun. It yeah. was fun. Old, I think I, I a lot of people. I mean, some people that I know didn't particularly like it. I thought it was fine. Yeah, I enjoyed seeing it. Um, the village, I enjoy. Um, but Unbreakable, it's oh, Robin Wright's really good in it. It's very mm-hmm. melodramatic and moody, and 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 the way it's it's interesting how he like um, I guess like the the shot composition. I guess it. It's very, uh, it's it's essentially an, an origin story for a superhero. For a superhero, yeah. And so a lot of the shots are made to look kind of like comic book, you know, mm-hmm. panels. And it's especially the pool scene. Yeah, the pool, that always sticks oh, out of my mind. Yeah, that that when when he that whole pool scene kind of reminds me of Sin City, 
Yeah. So I love Sin City. Shout out. Yeah. Great movie. I Black, like I like the books. The books are good too. Um What's his name? Frank Miller? No. Um I mean I love Frank Miller because he did uh Mad Max Fury Road, which was an incredible That was movie. George Miller. No, George Miller, you're right. Sorry. <laughs> George Miller I get them I get the name it's cause last name Miller. Road I'm Road really Warrior, bad with names feet. again, people. Frank Miller was the you know, he he had a great Daredevil run. Yeah. Dark Sorry, Returns, people. Ronin. I'm really bad with names sometimes. <laughs> it's okay. Um no, Sin City is great. Uh, no, the guy who plays Marvin um, in Sin City. Love Marvin in that movie. <laughs> what a great character, because he continues on to the second Sin City movie as well. He's also in that one with... Um, oh, what's his name? Uh, I haven't seen this. Like 500 that. Days of Summer guy. The main guy? I forget his name. The guy from Scrubs? <laughs> No, no. Uh, <laughs> he's got like a three-part name. What am I thinking? I'm thinking of a completely different movie. No, he's got like it's a three-part name. By the way. It's um, fuck. He plays Robin in the in the um Batman movie. The the trilogy. Chris O'Donnell. No, he plays Robin in the trilogy with uh, Christopher Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yes, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Jesus Christ. is in the is in the second one. Anyways, um. Clive Owen is uh, in the first one too, who I love. Anyways, sorry. It <laughs> took us so long. How do we forget just one? Yeah, uh, anyways, uh, Unbreakable. Sorry, it's a great uh, movie. I'm about great. five cores deep at this point. <laughs> uh, Unbreakable, great movie, 2000. So, yes. yeah, cool picks. That's a great Let's move pick. on to the 2010s. I'm so excited about this. Um, All right. I have to mention of my this pick. first off because mm-hmm. um, I, it's not my pick because I was trying to go, I wanted to mention. This not the suit, but the distributor in this um, in this decade, real quick, just because it, it'll be kind of obvious. Anyways, but I wanted to mention this movie because for anybody who hasn't seen it, I highly recommend you see it. It's called A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, which is an Iranian vampire film. Ah, it my is favorite genre. And shot in black and white, incredibly beautifully shot. Um, incredibly moody, incredible soundtrack too. Um, I don't want to spoil it at all, but go watch A Girl Walks Home Alone Tonight. You can find it on like Shudder. I'm pretty sure it's still on there, which is like a horror movie streaming Mm -hmm. service. You can find it online in other places too. You're all smart. I believe in you. Um, Drive, Nicholas Reffin. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a friend in high school named Stephen Ernest. And when this movie came out, we would not stop talking about it for two months because we were high school boys. You know, we just fucking loved uh, Ryan Gosling in this. Um, Mandy by Panos Cosmatos, who also did a movie called The Void. Um, It's a movie starring starring Nicolas Cage. And it's kind of a slow burn at the start, but it turns into this fucking crazy psychedelic horror revenge movie. Um fucking absolutely stunning visually gory is all fucking hell um the wailing by nahan jin and this is the first time i think we've mentioned like a <clears throat> korean horror movie oh yeah which is crazy because memories of murder is an incredible movie i think that came out in the 2000s but the wailing is a korean horror movie um one of the I don't really get scared by horror movies anymore at this point. Yeah, just, I. It's not about like I it's always not talk about scaring. I always talk about my lack of like knowledge of a bunch of horror movies, and it's not because I think it's scary. It's just I 
kind of think a lot of them are bad. <laughs> there are a lot of bad horror movies. <laughs> and I like movies. bad movies, but yeah. I mean, like, sometimes... A lot know. of them are kind of bad, but I the only wailing, have so much time in a week. The Wailing is an incredibly... Um, I mean, it, it one of the more recent movies has actually kind of half-disturbed me. Yeah. And I watch a lot of horror movies. Um, Raw by Julia Ducourneau, who is a French director. Ducourneau. She did a movie in the 2020s called Titan, which is amazing, too, but... If you don't like body horror or blood, don't watch this because it's about cannibals. Oh, okay. Um, and cannibalism, but it's well, a, that goes hand in hand. With yeah, cannibals. it's but it's it's a movie that kind of like looks at the like, um, not feminism but femininity in the modern age, uh, and how it's kind of shown like women are. Sh- anyways, <laughs> I, I'm not going to get into the whole philosophical debate. My um, pick is from a studio, or not studio, but it's an A24 film. I wanted Uh, to mention A24 at least once when we got in here, just because even though I feel like they kind of get some, like, shit for being kind of, like, ooh, you like A24 films, they actually do have quite a lot of good movies. Um, My pick is The Lighthouse by Ah, Robert Eggers. Yeah. Which is incredible because I love movies that have mythology and they have mythology about the sea. And it's got Rob Pat, who I think is really great. Yeah. I really yeah. love Wob, Rob Pat. Uh, Wob Pat. Wob and Pat. I really love Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe. I really love Willem Dafoe. Um, love both of them. We didn't mention Platoon. We did not mention Platoon, which is fucked up. We didn't mention like some other, like, we didn't mention Boondock Saints. Yeah. Which has an all-timer Willem Dafoe performance as the detective in it. But uh, The Lighthouse by uh, Robert Eggers uh, stars Willem Dafoe and Rob Pat in it is an incredible... It's shot shot in Mm 1-1, which is incredible. Yeah. Um, It's extremely, like, claustrophobic. Claustrophobic? Claustrophobic. Yeah. I can't say words. Um, yeah, but it's shot in one one ratio, which is something I really like to shoot in my photography for my personal work, which made me really happy. Shot in black and white, but it's it's incredible ethereal sort of like feel to the film throughout the entire thing. Um, you know, a lot of mention to sort of mythological figures. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the painting that they kind of recreate near the end, um, but. Incredible film, incredible performances by Robert Egger. I mean, uh, Rob Pat and Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Um, and if you like things about people being stuck on an island with a lighthouse, if that sounds appealing <laughs> to you, which does to me, uh, I would love to. Fans of lighthouses, you'll love, love the lighthouse. Movie. You'll love the lighthouse yeah. because I would actually love to just do like a six month stint at a lighthouse or like a fire lookout or something for some reason. Sure. Just, not permanently, but like I love just to do an isolating job, isolating job for like six months, so I can make myself go crazy. Did we mention taxi driver? We did not mention taxi driver. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Great pick for the 2010s. Um, <laughs> yeah, taxi driver. If you haven't seen it, watch, yeah, watch it. it. Watch it. Uh, so uh, my short list for the 2010s. Uh, my favorite sports movie, 2011's uh, Moneyball. Great movie, actually. Um, I love that one. Uh, Manchester by the Sea, a very devastating movie. Uh, 
The Peanuts movie, actually, I think is... Was that 2010? That was 2015. Jesus. And I, that is such a delightful movie. Damn. I love that little Peanuts movie. Um, David Fincher's Gone Girl. Gone Girl. Uh, Whiplash. Uh, Parasite. Parasite. Yeah, I thought that was twenty. Yeah, twenty nineteen. Right. Good movie. Uh, Prisoners. Um, uh, David Fincher's uh, yeah. Social Network as well. Cloud Steve- Atlas also came out. Cloud Atlas. I, I, that is, despite the yellow face, but you know, there's a lot of fucked up shit in that movie. But that is one of my f- favorite Wachowskis. Yeah, uh, great movie. Yeah, Twelve Years a Slave as well. Steve McQueen. That's a. That's a that's a movie. Yeah. That, that's a movie that the Step Brothers also in the 2010s. I think that was 2009. Damn, that was right on, it's like right on the cusp. Yeah, um, we didn't mention a lot of comedies. We didn't, or we did? Didn't. I mean, we mentioned some, but like throughout the tw- 2000s, we're serious guys. Okay, yeah, we're serious guys. Listen, if you're hearing this, we are incredibly buttoned up <laughs> corporate individuals. <laughs> Yeah. So my pick for the 2010s, um, it's a movie I've kind of talked. To, I I hope I don't present it in like an ironic way because I feel like I I've mentioned it on this show a lot, and I kind of mention it in a joking way, but I am completely earnest about it. Um, it's it, it's gonna sound crazy, but I think it's up there in like my top three maybe top two of this director and this director's done a lot of shit. He's a guy. I believe in you. So, and the thing about this movie is I have an, I have a copy with me because I carry a copy of it wherever I go with my book bag, just in case. Is it in your book bag right now? It is right here. I'll pull it out when I reveal the pick. It is, I am talking about 2015's Steven Spielberg's Bridge of Spies. Yeah, oh, I thought you were going to say The Adventures of Tintin. Wow, what a deflating... Oh. <laughs> no, no. The Adventures uh, of Tintin? No. That's I, not a Stephen Spielberg movie, even. I'm joking. Uh, I was joking. Tom Hanks, Sir Mark Rylance, Bridge... I love... I saw this in theaters with my mom because she loved the book. Yeah? I never read the book. But this movie, it's a near-perfect movie, I think. I feel it's like... It's actually really quite a good movie. Yeah. I agree with you. Um... There's one scene I feel like needs to be cut. There's like a CGI plane crash. I feel like they just put that in it because... Uh, Why not? Yeah, we need... It's a very long... It's a pretty long movie, and there's a lot of conversations happening. And that's the thing. In the conversations, they use this like circular language. Like the mm-hmm. Coen brothers even like uh, did some like touch-ups on it as well on the, on the screenplay. Um, and there's like a scene where it's all... You can just it's Coen brothers like in their absurd yeah. comedy. Um, well, it's not even that, but their dialogue is so, yeah, their dialogue is so good, but I think it's like, it's not just the dialogue, but they're really good at like the structure of the dialogue alongside of the cut, not even the cut, but like the cinematography, like they use like silence and like the break between things. Mm-hmm. Like the the break between the actors saying things back and forth to each other like really well like the timing is like perfect yeah they do it in Fargo too which is like my favorite we example didn't mention Fargo well, yeah, we I didn't did, mention did. Fargo okay, you think, said yeah, Fargo yeah. okay so cool we didn't we didn't miss that one which is really good because I love Fargo 
But no, I 100% agree with what you're saying. We mentioned our brother Warwick Thou earlier, too. But they really are masters of, like, sort of, like, spacing out. Not spacing, but, like, like how you, like, block an actor in a scene or, Mm -hmm. like, block things in a scene. The way that they, like, take their dialogue and, like, time it perfectly within, like, the, like, visual aspect of the film is incredible. Yeah, uh... Jonas uh, Kaminsky, the cinematographer, mm-hmm. he does a great job at uh, the cinematography. The cinematography. Uh, there's a lot of these like uh, pools of lights, like yeah. or, or a pool of light, and like through like windows and stuff. It just looks fucking awesome. And the performance, I mean, Mark Rylance, his character Rudolph. Um, Gotta say, I think this performance of Tom Hanks was better than his performance in the Elvis movie. The thing is, okay, so Tom Hanks obviously like. I feel like for the past 10, 15 years, he's has these roles where he's just like a guy who's good at his job, like solely. Well, he mean, yeah. fucking, he, uh, he loves his job. What's the Captain ship, Phillips? Captain Phillips, thank you. But this is like the penultimate Tom Hanks career man. Yeah. He is so I think fucking he was, good I think in this he's movie. on a revenge tour because he, you know, was not good at his job and catch me if you can. <laughs> Yeah. He was actually quite bad at his job and catch me if he can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but Tom Hanks has a cold in this movie. He, he And, you know, he acts like he has a cold. You believe Tom Hanks has a fucking... He does everything yeah. a normal person would do if they, had, if they a cold. had a cold. This motherfucker has a cold and he wants to go home. He wants his guy. He wants two of his guys for one of your guys. Uh, Bridge of Spies. I agree with was this Peter Hammond, one of Spielberg's finest films. Yes, I I love Bridge of Spies. So that is my. I don't think it's quite as good as Jaws, but <laughs> well, Raiders of the Lost Ark for me is like the Spielberg movie. The Spielberg movie. But uh, I can see that Jaws has always been my favorite Spielberg. Because, that's fair. But I've always leaned towards more like thriller horror, maybe just yeah, personally. yeah. Um, but. Yeah, Bridge of Spies, my pick for the 2010s. Now we're up to the 2020s. We're not done with the 2020s, of yeah. course. But I guess, like, what, what's what been some stuff this year? What what would be your prospective pick Picks. for the uh, 2020s? I'm going to mention John Wick 4. Not, it's, it's not my pick for the 2020s so far, just because I literally think it's one of the most per- perfect, perfect, perfect action movies I've ever seen. Uh, it's inc- I haven't seen it. But. I mean, I know you haven't, <laughs> but I'm building it up. Like... There is like three and a half movies worth of action in that movie, mm-hmm. and it still doesn't feel like like a lot. It like just goes by. Yeah, it's incredible. The pacing is great. There's a one or two kind of slow moments, but um, the ending Paris scene, uh, like like Paris arc of the movie, is absolutely incredible. Um, and also, uh, they have a lot of great guest stars in it so i won't mention name but um that uh couple other ones i'll mention rrr which is a movie from india by ss rajamuli um if you haven't had any experience with any indian films this is a great kind of place to get into some of it um are you talking about rrr rrr yeah rrr um, it's action, drama, sort of, uh, romance a little bit to it. Fucking brotherly love out the fucking ass. Just fucking man friendship, um, dance numbers and music. 
Um, incredible, really long film. Um, a couple other things to mention: Banshees of Inisherin, which is mm. one I also um, I almost picked for this. Yeah, um, I, my pick will be kind of obvious, I think, for this decade. But Banshees of Inisherin, I love Martin McDonough, who we didn't mention really at all either. Mm-hmm. Um, Seven Psychopaths uh, in yeah. Bruges, uh, three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Love, love Martin McDonough. He's incredibly incredible. Another person who does incredibly good dialogue, but it's like. And they're not comedies; they're kind of drama dramas, but they're all extremely funny. Banshees of Inisherin, incredibly depressing, but very funny. Yeah. Um, a... And then two more mentions: Tar by mm-hmm. Todd Field, um, stars, you know, my girl, Kate Blanchett. Mm-hmm. Kate Blanchett. Love she gets her. her groove back. She gets her fucking groove back, dude. That's a g- great way to describe <laughs> the movie. I love Kate Blanchett, but uh, but incredible movie. And then. I wanted to throw a uh, recommendation for Jim Cummings, uh, The Wolf of Snow Hollow. He did a movie in the 2010s. He is a strictly indie director. I think all of his movies he has made have been under like $500,000, but they look great. He did a movie in the 2010s called uh, Thunder Road, named after the um, song Hmm. by... uh, Anyways, it's an Antarctica song. Dolly Parton. No. (laughs) Um, But that one's a comedy. It's hilarious. This one's kind of a dark comedy horror movie. Um, And honestly, I I, want to just say it's an incredible indie film. It's hilarious. It's so funny. Um, But my pick for the 2020s so far is kind of obvious. Uh, is everything everywhere all at once? I literally saw that movie in theaters, and then I went and saw it four more times in theaters, and I cried the first three times I saw Jeez. it. Jeez, um, I have a confession. Editing incredible, martial arts check, fucking love it. Slight not horror bent, but like kind of thriller bent check. Um, incredible lighting and cinematography check. Extremely like weird, not weird, but extremely like heart moving story about like finding your place in the world and you know being accepted by people check which makes me cry every time i have a weird thing where i really like things where i but i have this weird thing that the one of the things that makes you cry in movies all the time or in like videos that i see online is when like a stepfather or like somebody who's not your blood family accepts you as like your family yeah and that has no bearing on my real life because honestly my family it loves me um for some reason don't know why (laughs) fucking they should have gotten a new son but uh that that particular trope always makes me fucking want to weep for some reason and it's not a hundred percent like in this but sort of the similar vibe is there um incredible movie there's a reason why a lot of people like it i would love to i haven't seen it you haven't seen (laughs) it (laughs) nope I have it on my Plex if you want to see it. Uh, I'll get around to it eventually. Yeah. I, I want to watch it on a big screen. So Maybe if they re-show whatever. Yeah, maybe. Um, I don't know why I didn't go see it while it was out. Uh, shame on me. Um, that's a, but I'll, I'll believe you. Was Joker you. in the 2020s? That was 2019. 20, fuck. We didn't it's, mention King of Comedy. True, we did not mention King of Comedy. Or, uh, we mentioned Modern Times. We didn't mention Ace Ventura. 
Ace Ventura. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot in there's the There's a lot 90s. of Jim Carrey movies we there's didn't a mention. Lot of, I love Jim Carrey. There's a lot of 90s and 2000s we just did not talk about. Well, it's hard because even there's 80s. so many. Like, we did, like, Total Recall, Goonies, yeah. Gremlins. Like, we, <laughs> we didn't Fifth talk about Element. so many movies. Fifth Element, yeah. Jesus. Um, the Mask. I already said The Mask, sorry. The Mask 2. Oh. <laughs> I had The Mask on DVD. I watched that one a lot as yeah. a kid. There's a lot of movies we did not mention. That's okay. Um, There's a lot of movies that exist. I'm sorry, people. Yeah. Uh, so far in the 2020s for me, um, Tar, definitely Todd Field's Tar. Oh, so good. Yeah. Um, uh, I'll also mention Titan. I said it earlier, but Titan again by Julie Dork. Yeah, we didn't mention Titanic. About either. a woman who has sex with a car. Titanic. Oh, we did not mention Titanic. <laughs> I love Titanic. Um, yeah, I I remember being. It was me and my girlfriend were the only people. We weren't the only people in the th- in the theater for Tar. There was three people behind us, and I could. And they were like, they had a career in music, I think. And I think they were going to go see this because it was a music related movie. Yeah. <laughs> And there's they weren't like, expecting it. Were there's they? a joke. There's like a classical music joke in the movie, like towards the beginning, and I, they all three of them started bursting out laughing. <laughs> like I, it completely went over my head, but I remember that. That's a really funny reason to go see Tar, though. Yeah, it really. Yeah, quite, I love. I love music. I'll go see Tar. Yeah, I'll go see like, Tar. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, oh, Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. Barbie. I didn't see Barbie. Barbie is legitimately great movie and i yeah. i have to say it sorry um yeah oppenheimer though uh i, I love the editing for my I birthday love, oh nice the editing in that is i think kyle from turn of forte went with me me and him dressed up oh okay for barbie. oh you did the whole like yeah. gimmick we took um on. we went with uh carlos and a bunch of other people from fresh brood okay sounds fun it was a great time i saw me and my mom my mom saw it together in the uh Nice. The Conway That's theater. a good mom movie to go see. Yeah, it was kind of interesting. Like, I, we didn't mention this. She but liked it. I, there's like certain movies I re, like. I liked it. I'm glad I took my family to see. And then the most embarrassing moment of my life is I wanted to go see Don't Mess with the Zohan so Uh-oh. terribly Oh, you bad. saw that with your grandmother, I right? I saw it with my grandmother. Is, I made yeah. my grandmother to go take it, which <laughs> is bad because there's a like 10 to 15 minute part of the movie in which he's just having sex with elderly ladies in an extremely aggressive manner. And my grandmother is a born on a farm in Calpin, South Carolina, Baptist. Mm. Um, so I left part of the movie and went to the restroom and came back and sat five rows behind her. Um, and when we got out of the movie, I just remember, I remember this. She looked at me and went, you know, we should have went and seen cars instead. Cause it was <laughs> out in the theaters at the same time. <laughs> um, okay. So, I mean, my prospective pick for the 2020s is Martin Scorsese's killers of the flower moon, oh, which um, I haven't seen yet. I, I went, so I, I went to go see it where I dropped Devin off. I think I'm going to see it this weekend. I dropped Devin off with the Turn of Forte boys mm. in Greenville, and I went by myself to this really cool theater called Camelot Cinemas. And uh, and uh, it was a cool little place, and I, I saw it there. And uh, it, you fucking Martin Scorsese, man. You just did it again. Right. We have barely mentioned any Martin Scorsese movies. I mentioned except some. Except for Godfellas. You know, Goodfellas. Godfellas. <laughs> Goodfellas. Uh, um, I mean, we mentioned uh, some, but we didn't like mention, like, like I thought we would have mentioned them more personally, but 
Killers of Flower Moon. Maybe I'm it was playing, too obvious. To it play. might be too obvious. Mean Streets. Yeah. Just had a, I think He's it was so a good. 4K release, right? I'm going to go, I'm planning to go see it, I think, on um, Saturday of the Fire or Moon. Sunday. Yeah, Saturday uh, or Sunday. I just it's, I guess. Probably my, tomorrow, because I don't have anything going tomorrow. Nobody's going to be home, so. My takeaways from it is it's very good. Uh, the subject matter is scarring. Um, I'm kind of. Hmm. It, it's kind of hard to like. I'm. It, all I'll say is like it's 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 not preachy because what it's trying to get across, mm-hmm. but it doesn't feel like Martin Scorsese's like preaching at you about it. It's yeah. just like this is what happened. And it's well, fun. yeah, yeah. Like, I don't it, know. I feel like what some, happened in real life was not great. So I don't feel like there's a way. Yeah. To like he just, just kind of what really happened without it being like yeah this is kind of fucked well, up. Well, I just dude. feel like there's some newer people that would. Take that story and try to like really like shove it in your throat. Shove it in your throat in a way of like, you know, I don't know how to explain it, but it's it doesn't come across, in, at least to me, yeah. in, a, in, a, in a in a preachy sense. I mean, there's he gets different... into the history of diabetes in it as well, which is very. I did not get. I did yeah. not like. Uh, I kind of know like uh, a general setup of what the movie is about, but I haven't. I don't know exactly what happens in the movie, so well, I'll leave it at that. You're gonna yeah. have a good time, or a bad I'm excited. time. But uh, I've heard nothing but good things. Yeah, so that it uh, that brings us to the end of our picks oh, of the decades. Pick? That's my pick for the 2020s. Uh, one last mention: uh, Jackass Four. Sure, why not? 2020s. I saw that in uh, Market Commons, and halfway through the movie, the uh, ceiling broke and it started pouring <laughs> what rain. The fuck. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> It was so. very fun. It was very jackass of the theater to be run down. Wow. So, wow. Holy shit. That was a, an experiment. Uh, I hope that was somewhat tolerable to listen to. I'm going to be honest. I had a great time. I had a I good time, I fucking love too. sitting around and talking about list shit. Yeah, yeah. It brings my brain joy. So, I guess we can wrap it up. I, my brain is fucking fried right now. I'm just like... <laughs> Don't forget the shows. Uh, yeah, I'll do the shows, too. But I guess... Um, before I get in the shows, I you know, I don't know what to talk about. We just talked about movies for three hours. It was great. Uh, I guess we can recap our list yeah. real quick. What was your picks? My picks, uh, starting from the 1900s, uh, The Kingdom of the Fairies, George Amelier's, uh, 1910s, or the 10s, Dog's Life, Charlie Chaplin, then The Cabin of Dr. Caligari, M by Fritz Lang. Rebecca by Alfred Hitchcock, Rashomon by Akira Kurosawa, Playtime by Jacques Tati, Carrie by Brian De Palma, Paris, Texas by Vim Vendes, Chungking Express by Wong Kar Wai, um, The Royal Tenenbaums by Wes Anderson, The Lighthouse by Robert Eggers, and Everywhere Everything Everywhere All at Once by The Daniels. Nice. And then uh, mine was, it was The Dad Who Takes the Purge. I don't know the director, but it was a Max Linder movie. Uh, The Lone Dale Operator by D.W. Griffith. Uh, The General, starring uh, Buster Keaton. Uh, Ernst Lubitsch, Nanochka. Uh, What was my pick? Oh, John Huston's The Maltese Falcon. Uh, 
Mikhail Kalatazov. Uh, the cranes are flying. I, it, the thing is, I've never said these names out loud in my life. Uh, 1960s. Um, <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Billy Wilder's The Apartment. 1970s, Richard Donard's Superman, the movie. 1980s, James Cameron, Aliens. David Lynch's Lost Highway for the 1990s. Um, M. Night Night Shyamalan, Unbreakable. Steven Spielberg's Bridge of Spies. And then finally, Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon. So there you have it, man. That, that, you know, (laughs) we did it. We got we did it. it. We made it all the way through. Yeah, we this was something I wanted to try. We got through it. I think if you do albums, maybe don't start in 1900. <laughs> it was pretty ridiculous. Yes. Um, so hopefully, maybe you know you heard some movies you like. Wait, what? What movies would you pick? Hey, out if you there got, and if you want more land? recommendations, I'll gladly just sit there and talk your ear off about movies online. I promise. Yeah. Um, what's your, that, what's like, your letterbox, dude? What's your letterbox? Uh, my letterbox is the uh, is Poptimism, P-O-P-T-I-M-I-S-M, which is nearly the same as my Instagram, which is Poptimism, but with two Ps, P-O-P-P-T-I-M-I-S-M, um, which you can reach out to me there and talk to me. Yeah. I mean, I just like talking to people, so, you know, reach out. Who cares? You yeah. Know, go for it. So, yeah, thanks, Daniel, for a... Oh, my letterbox is Andrew T. Reidner, by the way, mm. if you want to get on mine, too. I, well, thank I like you for having me, yeah. Andrew, because I enjoy yeah. coming to hang out. Yeah, thank you for... yeah For the for 80th episode. This, this suggestion. Winley, it might be a two-parter at this point. I don't know if oh my our God. host is gonna willing to accept a three-hour-long episode, but... um That's up to you. Hey, you had the power. I, and if you made it all the way through... Uh, you're you're a soldier, I'll tell you that. God much. bless you. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I can't wait to make my friends listen to this to support <laughs> me because I love my friends and I'm so nice to them all the time that they feel obligated to indulge in my Sure. Other things. I just do this because I'm bored. Fuck it. I mean, <laughs> and, what uh, what other way would you want to spend three hours and sitting around talking about movies? Yeah. I do this for free all the time. Yeah. Uh with my other friends. And I just uh make them wonder why I have so much free time to watch movies but yeah so let's uh wrap it up here um myrtle beach shows at myrtle beach shows you got to follow at myrtle beach shows to know about shows in myrtle beach there's a lot of shows in myrtle beach but there's nothing like a myrtle beach show uh we got uh november 18th at fresh brewed coffee house savant christian gill bisky christ bubba graham frank the frog uh the next day at the next level fitness gym restless spirit hymns of blasphemy and Bashiba. Um, November 26th are Acadia Studios, Rat Poison, Intimidator, Quiet, and Warning Order, and Dead Friends. Um, this bad boy just got announced uh, December 16th at the Fresh Brood, Electric Pleasure, which is the Windley Boys, and Drew Jacob. God it's mainly him. Drew Jacob's project, his songs. They're really fun to play. We love Drew Jacobs. And uh, yes, we do. Elder Bright, uh, Sweet Sweet, The Wonder Shakedown. And how about this, folks? A Turn of Forte show at Fresh Brood. At Fresh Brood? December 16th. That Don't came out it. of nowhere, dude. That's crazy. I did not expect Turn of Forte to play Don't one last local Don't miss Turn of Forte show. at Fresh Brood because that's, a, that's something you can tell your grandchildren. Yeah. And then this bad boy just got announced, too. Uh, January 26th at Fresh Brood Coffee House. 
Lunchbox Hero, Newgrounds Death Rugby, and of course, us, the Windley Boys. Windley, we're playing our EP, this is going to be our EP release show, so we're playing the whole new EP, Scenes from a Hat, in its entirety, I'll tell you that much. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Uno Mas is out there right now, you can listen to that. Um, There'll be another song, I think, next month, and we'll all have a fun time. And the EP... Scenes from a hat. Look, uh, look out for that. That rhymed kind of. It's gonna be a fun show. I'm really excited. You're a real Doctor Seuss. Yeah, and that's it for the Windley Mania. Um, Daniel, thank you again. It's great to hang out with you. Again, yeah, this Andrew. is a very. I had a lot of fun. I did. So I did too. So you have to follow at Windley underscore band on all the socials to keep up with the world of Windley. And that's it. Let's get the fuck out of here. All right. Goodbye. We'll see you at the movies. Yeah, see you at the movies or at Fresh Food Coffee House. Yeah, bitch. Bitch.